quarantine, quarantine. At least we get to watch these fights. Corona, ooh, they make the company run, company run. Dana's never stopping these fights. Corona, never gonna stop, let him fight. Such a business mind, always thinking of how it impacts his bottom line. Woo! My Corona. Stay a little further, huh? Will you, huh? I don't want to ruin these fights, Corona. Keeping it a mystery. If we will see Tony and Khabib with our eyes, Corona. Never gonna stop. Dana White, such a business mind, always thinking of how it impacts his bottom line. Woo! My Corona. My Corona. Hola e bienvenido al podcast Lutando Conmigo Mesmo. Hello and welcome to the Fighting With Myself podcast. Did I pronounce that Portuguese properly? Probably not, but I did my damnedest. And that's what this podcast is about, dude. Doing my damnedest. Hope you like that song. Shout out to Steffi Haynes at Crooklyn MMA for the inspo. Uh, she had a tweet last night that uh, had the lyrics my Corona in there. Cutting out myself, like usual, and I dropped a little, uh, dropped a little sample, and uh, then it was decided that I would do it for the podcast. So welcome everybody to the Fighting with Myself podcast, the podcast for the above average MMA fan, hosted by an above average man, and I am that man. My name is Juice. Before we get started, I'll give you a little rundown of what we're going to cover, and then we're going to dive right in. I'm going to start by recapping UFC Brasilia. What a wild card it was. Uh, also going to cover... Mm, not really news. See, I just have one thing to talk about, and it's not really news. Because by now everybody knows. And this is a story that's developing by the second. So by the time the episode publishes, it's already going to be irrelevant. So that's not going to matter. Um, but then we're going to get into the forum, where you hear from all the great people of MMA Twitter. And uh, I'll end the segment by, this is so sad, but as I'm recording this, it's coming out that a lot of fights are dropping off UFC London, so we don't even know if this card is going to be intact, but I'm going to do my damnedest to preview that card, even though, again, might be irrelevant. So let's get started. UFC Brasilia was an awesome card, and it was awesome for a few reasons. One, uh, it took place in an empty arena. Now, this is not awesome because of the circumstances. The reason why it took place in an empty arena is terrible. Let me get that out of the way. Terrible. And I, I hope you didn't mistake my um, l having a sense of humor about the situation in my song for me taking this uh, situation lightly at all. I do not, which I'll get into. I am very worried about this uh, coronavirus situation and... Uh, I, I definitely don't want to come off as disrespectful for anyone that's uh, been affected by it. It certainly affected me. Uh, not that I um, have it or any of my family members have it. Don't, don't mistake that. Um, but uh, it's, it's affected my income. I'll just say that. It's affected my income. So the, crowd, the, the fight was in an empty arena. And uh, like I said, reason aside... 
it was great. It was like the Ultimate Fighter. It reminded me, not of the actual Ultimate Fighter. Um, I mean, yes, of the Ultimate Fighter, but I'm, I'm saying not of everyone because in every Ultimate Fighter you had like people cheering in the stands, um, like right in, in the in the Tough Gym, uh, which is now I think the PI Turn of the Apex. Um, you had um, all the teams there. You could hear a lot of like shouting from them. It reminded me of Ultimate Fighter. I want to say season fourteen, Bisping and Mayhem Miller, where they had the the tryouts almost in like an arena, an empty arena, but like a small one with a cage in the middle. Um, and it was basically silent except for um, Dana and uh, Bisping and Mayhem giving some sort of commentary, but like not really commentary, just being like, "Oh, he'll be good for the show" or, or whatever. Um, so it kind of reminded me a lot of that. There was a lot of, I mean, you could hear the ref. That was one of my favorite parts, especially when Mike Beltran was refing. He was like, all right, are you ready? Are you ready? Come on, stand up, stop. You know, like really kind of barking out orders. And, uh, Mike Beltran is one of my favorite refs. I don't, I don't, I don't care if anyone doesn't like him. I like him. <laughs> um, but getting on with the fights, I'm not going to talk about everyone, um, of the prelims. There were, there were some great prelims. But I just want to talk about some few highlights before we get into the main card. Uh, one of my favorite fights tonight was uh, Hani Yaya and Enrique Barzola. Um, yes, I'm going to say Hani, even though they said Ronnie on the broadcast. Apparently, I think they covered this on the Anakin Florian pod. Uh, and it may it may have um, been covered on his last fight as well, which I believe was against Ricky Simone. Um, he has changed it to Ronnie for, like the American audience to, to easily better understand his name. First of all, and I'm sorry if anyone is listening to this podcast who is named Ronnie, I don't know any Ronnies. Never like that name. Sorry about it. Again, don't like the name. Like it's, it's such a name that's just like in movies, dude. Like there's always a guy that's annoying. They're like Ronnie, you know what I mean? And again, I'm sorry if anyone listening is named Ronnie. Uh, I hate my own name. That's why I go by juice. I think it more suits me. I don't like Aaron. It's a terrible name. Um, I, I, and again, sorry to any Aaron's listening. Uh, I had one guy listen to my first episode one time where I said I hate my name, and he was like, you're canceled, bro. That's it. That's my name, too, and um, fuck you. So, I don't know, cancel juice, I guess. But uh, that aside, I'm calling him Hani. I'm just saying it. It's a, it's a, it's a badass name, dude. Hani Yaya. But uh, these gentlemen came to fight, and... Uh, I believe this was Enrique Barzola's debut at Bantamweight, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he's typically a featherweight. Um, he was never the biggest featherweight, but I never thought he was particularly undersized. I mean, he used his uh, skills well. He got on the inside. He was always pressuring, uh, always getting takedowns. If you're able to get takedowns on bigger guys, why go down, dude? Uh, but I guess he did. He ran right into Haniyaya, who was uh, uh, a tough task. I mean, Haniyaya has been around, and he's uh, pretty well ranked in the division. And I believe Enrique was not ranked at featherweight, so maybe it was just an opportunity in that regard. Uh, I don't know, but they fought. They fought admirably. The first two rounds were, I mean, first round was pretty clear for for Yaya. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's better. First round was better for Hani. Um, second round was also Hani, but it maybe could have gone Enrique. Um, and then third round was a pretty clear 10-8 for Barzola. I mean, he really. Uh, put it on him. And uh, if, if you follow me on Twitter, you know I was tweeting this out. Um, whenever en Enrique Barzola fights, um, I, I fucking... I, I get really excited because um, 
the reason I know Spanish, um, and I don't speak it fluently, um, but I, I do speak it pretty well. I was, I typically have like 50% fluency. Um, but, uh, it, it's because my dad lived in Peru for two years and, um, because of that, I kind of had it in my house, uh, growing up. So, um, whenever en Enrique fights like any, any Peruvian, but he, he's pretty much the only one that I know of. Um, I fucking go all out. I'm like, yeah, viva Peru. You know, I, 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 I'm so stupid about it, but that's how I am. And, uh, I was really, really wanting him to get the win, but, um, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a draw. It was, um, a pretty, pretty, uh, fair scorecard in that regard because, um, I don't like draws in the 10, in the 10 point must system. Uh, mathematically it, it, it just, I, I don't know, but, um, like I said, if it was pride rules, draws are okay, but in the current scoring system we have, um, a draw should be rare, but this is a fair draw. This is a fair draw. And I guess I'm excited to see Barzola at Bantamweight because, um, he didn't look bad and, uh, he, I don't know, dealt with one of the best guys in that division. So, hey, keep going, uh, Enrique, I guess. Moving on, we got Amanda Hibas uh, versus Randa Marcos. Now, this fight was kind of weird. Amanda Hibas was supposed to fight Paige Van Zant, who got injured. And um, if you if you follow Paige... It's because her and Austin Vanderford, a.k.a. Mr. Van Zant, do a bunch of weird shit. And it's not exactly the reason, but someone tweeted out this video of like him doing a backflip and landing on her head. I'm like, bro, what are you doing? But uh, <laughs> we're not going to talk about Paige Van Zandt because she has absolutely nothing to do with this fight. Uh, but Randa Marcos stepped up on short notice and uh, credit to her. Um, I was talking some shit because Randa Marcos is not one of my favorite fighters at all. Um, but... Uh, Credit to her for taking it on short notice in Brazil, no less. Although another one, another point I want to make was we often talk about when there's a uh, when there's a Brazilian card that the Americans or anyone non-Brazilian facing a Brazilian is going into hostile territory, right? Because usually there's a chance of like "uva mujer" and all all this shit, right? And the crowd goes nuts, uh, and they're so loud, and it's just like it can be a lot of pressure. The absence of crowd was almost almost nullified that it was it was it was kind of awesome to see i was like okay we're actually gonna like it's not gonna affect the judging it's not gonna affect the fighter's performance it's not gonna affect their ability to hear their corner like all that stuff is gone so i want to uh you know take a silver lining out of this and, and and kind of try and pick out the positive notes and in that sense the empty arena was awesome for this so uh i was pretty sure amanda hibas was gonna get it done i was right but you know anything could happen right but uh amanda hibas is a fucking force in that division. Um, I think she's really going to pose some problems later on. She's not ready for the champ just yet, but fuck. I mean, there, there's not a matchup outside the champ and like the, those top girls that, that seem to be like the, the, the four horsewomen I talked about last episode. Um, I, I don't see her having much problems with anyone else. So way to go, Amanda Hibas. And she just fucking, dude, I fucking love her energy. She's always like, thank you, everyone, Brazil. I love my family. I love my coaches. Like, she's so bubbly. I love everything about it. You know what I love everything about? Brandon Moreno, the baby assassin, or assassin baby. 
first of all, change it. Baby Assassin is way better than Assassin Baby. Um, I don't say I know why, but um, for sure change it. Um, but his fight with Formiga was awesome. And I was kind of worried, like, it was a little close. Um, and, and I don't typically get into scoring round by round. So um, I, I was like, God, I hope he got the fucking nod. Um, and th this is this would have been a situation if there was a crowd, I would have for sure been nervous and, and perhaps rightly so. Like maybe Formiga could have gotten his hand raised, but um, so glad that Brandon Moreno got a win. And uh, he called for a title shot, which if I'm honest, I don't hate. Uh, either if they do the Joseph Benavides rematch and he gets the winner, or if um, they decide they don't want to give it to Benavides and they want to do Moreno Figueredo for the vacant title, I'm I'm for it, dude. I'm in. Uh, because I love Brandon Moreno, and I thought he beat Oscar Askarov. How about that, dude? How about that? I'm trying to, I'm trying to take into account his win streak, because with the lost Oscar Askarov, it's not great, but um, I count that as a win. Fuck it. If we're going to give title shot to Jose Aldo, because we thought he beat Marlon Moraes, if we're going to give a title shot to Yoel Romero, because we thought he beat Paulo Costa, let's fucking give Brandon Moreno this title shot. At least he's coming off a win. Jesus. About to get fired up for no reason. <laughs> I'm going to put that stuff in the past, but great win for Brandon Moreno. And that was a great note to end the prelims on because uh, it got me fired up for the main card. Now, after that, <laughs> the fucking energy level dipped a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Uh, next fight was uh, Trinaldo versus Magdesi. And I kind of knew going in this was not going to be an exciting fight, right? Like, both of these guys separately have been in exciting fights. But, uh, as I've mentioned before in the podcast, um, it was pointed out to, to me when I was uh, watching Mike Desi versus, I think it was like someone making his debut. It was not, not a name. And uh, I think DC on the commentary said, um, Mike Desi has a tendency to fight to the abilities of his opponent or let his opponent set the pace and just sort of play their game. Uh, because he, he had an absolute fucking war with Ross Pearson because Ross Pearson took it to him. But when he's fighting a guy like, Francisco Trondo, who, yeah, pressures a little bit, but also, like, is a little bit of a point... Not a, not a point fighter, that's not fair to say, but he's more technical. Um, I knew it was just going to be, like, uh, sort of a chess match, and uh, you're not going to beat uh, Francisco Trondo at that game, so it was a very clear decision for him. <laughs> I want to say it was fuck, fuck Yugi. <laughs> I'm not even 9% sure it was him who tweeted out, please let Trondo win this. <laughs> Magdesi fought an asshole fight, or <laughs> fought like an asshole, or something like that. Uh... Great, great tweet. If you don't follow Fuck Yugi, get out of here and go follow him and then come back because I need you. Um, but moving on, uh, Nikita Krylov versus Johnny Walker. Man, dude, I got to say, I'm a big Johnny Walker fan. And you guys know how I feel about picking with my heart. I always like, um, you know, I don't see a point in picking with your brain. There's no fucking nobility and being like, uh, I was right, or like, you don't get fucking points. Like, unless you're betting, like, okay, if you're betting, fine. But why not pick with your heart otherwise? You know what I mean? And and even still, I dude, I pick with my heart. I fucking got a clean sweep at UFC Raleigh. Like, sometimes it fucking works out. So, hey. Uh, but anyway, uh, I love Johnny Walker, but I've become recently a big fan of Nikita Krylov as well. And I was worried about Johnny Walker changing camps. Uh, I was worried about, I don't know, just a lot of things. And I just thought, like, man, Nikita Krylov has the tools to get this done. He has the grappling. He has the striking. But he was doing, dude, he was doing the Kelvin Gaslam thing, which was 
He would rock him. He, he would get Johnny Walker rocked, right? And then immediately shoot for a takedown. It was almost like he was expecting the strikes to not have as much of an impact and was just throwing them to get the entry, which, cool, but hey, man, you rocked him. He was wobbled up against the cage. Don't go for a takedown. Like, he got some of those, but Johnny Walker was able to recover and stop some of them, so it was, it was not the best fight. Like, <laughs> everyone... <laughs> dude, it was so funny. Like, I sort of love chaos. Like, I sort of love... Even if it, like affects me like even if i don't want to see it i like the effect it has on other people <laughs> which is so fucking nihilist of me but Ternaldo mike Dissi wasn't the most born wasn't the most exciting fight right uh and there was a ton of decisions the whole night and a lot of people were tuning out these next two fighters if we want to break the decision streak these are the ones to do it both men have only gotten a decision once either finishing or getting finished by all their opponents bro it was another decision <laughs> i was like yes burn uh, so, uh, other than that, it was a great win for Nikita Krylov. So, shouts to him. And uh, someone has a great question about um, Johnny Walker changing camps. Um, I mean, not it, it mentions it, so I won't get into it too much because I have a I have a feeling about it. Uh, but I'll just say this: consistency is key for him. He needs to be in a better camp that works. All good coaches are not the right coach for you. You know, Matt Hume is one of the best coaches in the game, Coach who coaches uh, Demetrius Johnson. Now he doesn't because he's the matchmaker one. It's a conflict of interest, but he doesn't coach everybody. And part part of that is because their gym doesn't have, like, notoriety, right? Like, people aren't willing to, like, fly out to Seattle or wherever the fuck he lives to, like, train with this guy. But I think he's also probably selective in his students. Like, I think he knows the relationship is important and he doesn't want to spend too much of his time it's not like a money-making machine that gym like jackson wink <laughs> um but moving on gilbert burns versus uh damian maya k this fight was made me sad i'll just say that it made me sad because I'm a Damian Maya fan. And I like Gilbert Burns as well. I, I like his style of like wanting to be the short notice replacement guy, like whatever, like trying to be like Cerrone or Angela Hill. And like, dude, Angela had this awesome tweet where fucking Gilbert Burns is like, I'll fight Woodley, I'll fight Edward. We have to make this, we have to save these fights, Dana. Um, uh, and I'm pretty sure Ali is his manager. I think he tagged him. It was like, come on, bro. Ali probably wrote that tweet. Um, why are you tagging yourself? Um, <laughs> Angela Hill <laughs> tweeted out that amazing gif. Or that girl who's like drinking the coffee and like glaring. Um, and she was like, who does this guy think he is? <laughs> Dude, if you don't love Angela Hill, fucking take a hike. Like put on a vest with pockets and take a hike. Um, but Gilbert Burns throw a big overhand right. I mean a big overhand right. Probably a right. It was a huge shot anyway. Put Damian Maya on his ass. Um... Like, he was out, and then it looked like he probably, like, recovered uh, right away. Like, he went right away, like, into, like, guard, or, you know, not in guard, but trying to be ready for Gilbert to come into his guard. And it looked like a situation, like, like Fabricio Verdum does this, where her, like, kind of pretend to be dropped just to get you down and capitalize on you rushing in. But Gilbert Burns thought he might have had a walk-off KO, and then he realized, oh, I have to uh, do something here. And then he landed some fucking... Nasty follow-up shots on the ground, some hammer fists, and took him out of there 
Great stoppage, by the way, as well. Great stoppage by Osiris Maya. I will never doubt this man. Um, he is underratedly one of the best refs in the game. Um, he knew that Damien wasn't out, even though I thought he was. Like he rushed in right away, but didn't stop the fight. He also like if if you don't if you don't respect Osiris Maya's judgment. Uh, by the way, it's probably Maya, and I always fucked it up. Like I like to like Jennifer Maya. I always like to say, but like Damien Maya, just say Damien Maya. Um, but Osiris Maya, if you if you watch. The fight, it, I want to say it was UFC Santiago. It was in Chile. Uh, if I'm uh, wrong, it was on uh, another card in South America. But either way, look up Claudio Pueyes versus Eric Silva. Eric Silva was beating the brakes off Claudio Pueyes to the point where it was almost like a Mike Davis, Thomas Gifford situation. And I was like, bro, they need to stop this fight. Then in the third round, probably close to the end, Claudio Pueyes grabs a knee bar and cranks like his life depending on it. Eric taps, Osiris stops to fight. I'm like, I will never doubt Osiris Maya again. If he had the faculties to get that knee bar, uh, like, that that means that he was right in not stopping it prior in those moments where I thought you could stop the fight. Like, that could just be how I look at things and that's different from other people. But anyway, I always go back to that when I talk about Osiris Maya because he's a great ref. And now we get to the main event, and here's where I'm supposed to eat crow. Here's where I'm supposed to apologize for hyping up Kevin Lee all five week. Here's where I'm supposed to apologize for not criticizing him for missing weight. Here's where I'm supposed to apologize for being an ass. And you know what? I don't wanna. Don't want. I don't wanna. And that's fine, because here's where I want to double down on my philosophy. You may think I'm supposed to be biased. You may be watching. I mean, I hope you're not watching because this is not a video podcast, nor is it live. So forget I said that. You may be listening to this podcast. And you may think that I am beholden to a certain code. You may think that having a podcast and having a platform like this makes me obligated to to remain unbiased and you know what i think the exact opposite i'm not a journalist i uh do not offer any um i I never break any news i don't uh provide that kind of commentary i give you my thoughts and opinions on these fights and you know what i'm biased as fuck and i feel an obligation to show that bias i'm a huge kevin lee fan going back to fuck shout out steffi again I, I can remember, um, this ties back into this fight card as well. I can remember um, when Kevin Lee choked out Trinaldo. Um, I remember Steffi tweeting out, like, Motown Phenom is one to watch. I told y'all. And I was like, damn it, I got to fucking get on this train. And uh, ever since, that, I think it was right after that that he got the Chiesa fight. Um, and if I remember correctly, when he beat Trinaldo as well, he called out Habib. And I was like, dude, who's this guy calling out Habib? No one wants to fight Habib. Like, what is this? And and then he went on Ariel Hawani show when he got the Kiesa fight. And he fucking yelled at Ariel for the whole thing. And I'm a big Ariel fan. But when someone, like, is willing to, like, air their grievances. And, and Ariel loves to do it. He's like, you got a bone to pick with me? Come on the show. Let's pick it right now. Like, let's do this. And um, 
he went at Ariel for like having guys like Mickey Gall on. He was like, you got Mickey Gall on. He fucking, when he called out Sage Northcutt, that shit was corny. I called Sage's dad a drug dealer. Like, he fucking went in. And I was like, yes, dude. And ever since then, I've been following his story. He uh, started the hashtag 25 to life uh, because of people where he comes from usually end up either getting 25 to life or in jail by the time they're 25 or something like he, he explained it much more eloquently than I can and uh, from a much better position. So I'm not going to pretend to know anything about it. But dude, hearing him explain stuff like that, hearing him talk about, you know, getting his brother out of jail, um, being a big GSP fan and that like kind of changing his 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 life wanting him to get into MMA. I'm a fucking big Kevin Lee fan. I always will be. And that I, I, I will not fucking apologize for that. So yeah, if you didn't know, he missed weight before this fight by, I want to say three pounds. And I say that even though, like I said, I sort of forgave him for missing weight. I always like to count from the actual like championship weight mark, not the grace pound. Cause if you miss, you shouldn't be fucking taking that into account. I believe he weighed in at 158. Um, so officially, I think they're going to say miss weight by two pounds, but it's by three pounds, really. And another reason why I'm not giving him shit for missing weight is because he has said for a long time, I don't belong at 55. I'm too small for 170, and I'm too big for 55. We need to make 165. He has been banging the drum of 165 when he was the only one, he was like shouting at no one about 165. Like I'm going to write, and this is a spoiler because I haven't even written it yet. So I don't know when it's going to come out, but um, I'm, I'm putting together a blog post about um, the need for uh, the UFC to make a 165 pound division. And uh, like, I've, I've had enough, like this is the catalyst. It, it needs to happen. And uh, Kevin Lee also offered, I don't want to say an excuse, uh, and I and I got to credit um, Fernando Praches for asking him this in the post-fight scrum, um, you know, what happened with the weight cut, why did you miss kind of thing, and, and those kind of things can open up fighters to, like, give excuses that they don't want to give, but there are also questions that need to be asked, like, we want to hear those kind of things, and uh, Kevin Lee said, you know, the UFC usually provides a dietitian, and he thought they were going to, like they did on his last fight, and that didn't happen. So there was just sort of miscalculation. I, I, I also a little bit attributed to, I mean, everyone else made weight, right? So it's stupid of me to say this because I go, well, it didn't affect everyone else. But like, you know, when you're going to a foreign country, when there's a fucking pandemic going on and you don't know if you're going to fight or not, like they're talking about maybe canceling the car that fucks with your emotions. Uh, DC talked about this when he had to make weight to fight Anderson Silva, like when he lost the Jones fight and then they got a replacement for him, he was, he had kind of stopped cutting weight because his body wouldn't like accept that it needed to still be ready to fight, if that makes sense. So, um, it's, it's one of those things where I have to openly state my bias and say, Hey, yes, I bury people from missing weight all the time, but I'm going to bury Kevin Lee. No, cause he's my boy. I love dude. I, one of my favorite fighters of all time is Molly McCann. If she were to rob a bank tomorrow, I would call up her lawyer and say, I'll be your alibi. I don't give a fuck. That's who I am. And I always will be. But I do have to give credit. All, all that aside, massive respect to Charles Oliveira for what he did. Um, submitting Kevin Lee is no joke. He's a, he's a great grappler, a great wrestler. 
um, has submitted many people himself. I just mentioned Trinaldo, Chiesa. Um, he's great on the back. And uh, at one point, he almost took Oliveira's back. But And I'm not talking about after the tap. I'm talking about in the actual fight, probably in the second round. He almost had his back, but Oliveira reversed it. Great, great jiu-jitsu on display from, from those guys. And uh, there were times throughout the fight when... And and it's and again I'm coming from this point of view where I'm going to talk about the sub defense of Kevin Lee rather than the sub offense of Oliveira. But I was impressed as fuck with Kevin getting out a lot of submissions because I think the first guillotine was super tight. He got out of it. There was a triangle. He got a the arm bar, dude. The arm bar when all of a sudden he he rolled out and then Oliveira quick switch to an omoplata. I was like, fuck, dude, this is done. We're about to see the third omoplata in UFC history. Nope, got out of it. Even the fucking, the calf slicer he almost had, uh, Oliveira had on Kevin Lee. And uh, Oliveira, I think, got the first calf, calf slicer. So that would have been funny. It would have been like uh, goddamn Olenek with the Ezekiel chokes. Um, but yeah, massive respect to Oliveira, who was even hurting Kevin on the feet. I have to say that as well. I was like, okay, Kevin, keep it on the ground. Or sorry, keep it on the on the feet. Stop going to the ground. He wasn't going so much. It wasn't going so well for him on the feet either. I have to say that. I have to to be I have to drop my bias a little bit there and say that because um objectively Oliveira was was looking like a killer in there. So um I guess it's gonna be one of those situations where, you know, you want your guy to lose to the to the best of the best and uh Oliveira is that dude. He is that dude. Um people are calling for the Paul Felder rematch. I personally don't want to see it, but if Paul Felder can't get a fight otherwise like here's the thing, Paul Felder said he's only going to come back for like big fights, main events. Um, Oliveira was a main event because it was a in Brazil and b because of Kevin Lee because Kevin Lee's a headliner. Um. So, uh, I look forward to to seeing what's next for Oliveira. I, like I said, I don't know what that is. I am not a proponent of the Kevin Lee, uh, re, uh, sorry, of the Paul Felder rematch. I don't mind Cowboy. I think it was Phil the MMA dude. Shout out to Phil who put up a poll about uh, who who should be next. I can't remember the other options, but I was like, oh, dude, Cerrone. Like, that's the one I want to see um, of those options. And I guess that brings us to uh, to the end here. Fucking A. But it, it was an incredible card. I don't want it to be overshadowed by the coronavirus uh, and, and sort of the controversy that, that led to the you know, should the fight happen, should it, should it not? Like, should the fight card happen, should it not? Um, because that's sort of not fair to the fighters. Like, they're working for a terrible company who um, treats their um, 1099 contractors as employees and they're not going to pay them uh, without doing work. Like, that's the fucking problem, dude. Like, the UFC, you can't have your cake and eat it too. If, given the circumstances, they're independent contractors. So when, when independent contractors can't do work, you don't pay them, right? But the way you treat them and the, the way you take rights from them, they're employees. And you pay employees when uh, they can't go to work for factors outside of their control. That's that's what it fucking is, dude. That's the precedent set by Chatri Sichitong. That's the precedent set by Scott Coker. And Dana White is fucking blind. I don't know. Maybe I'm an asshole for saying that. I don't care. But anyways, I, I want to say respect to all the fighters because they, they gave us some 
wonderful performances under shitty circumstances. And you got to feel like that was going through their mind. It's going through my mind every day. Every person I see, I'm like, do you have coronavirus? Do you fucking have coronavirus? I'm losing my mind, as you can tell. So I want to end this segment, as I always do, on a positive note. And that is to give a shout out to someone in the community. Um, and this week goes to my man. I'm going to fuck up the name. Well, the the at the handle is Icy Red Cups. Man, Uchiha Mandem is what I wrote. And I probably pronounced that wrong. But uh, this dude is awesome. And uh, I love his tweets. I uh, love uh, his support. I love his fucking standing Drake. <laughs> even though... Personally, not a Drake fan. Sorry about it. I love you, but not a Drake fan. Uh, but uh, shout out to this guy. And I also love his uh, interaction with uh, my boy Haroon. So uh, shout out to him as well. Uh, I just love their banter. It's it's one of my favorite things on the timeline. So uh, go follow this guy at Icy Red Cups. Your Twitter experience will be better. And now let us take a quick break to hear from uh, me. I'll say from our sponsor, but that's, that's so lame. That's so not me. Uh, but anyway, here a quick fucking ad read from me, and, and then we'll talk about some news. We made it to the news segment, which, I again, I, I, I preface this by saying it's not really news, and it's making me think I need to change the name of the segment because sometimes it's not always news. Sometimes it's just shit I want to talk about that has nothing to do with last week's fights nor the upcoming fights. Uh, nor anything that anyone has asked me in the forum. So um, I want to take the time to talk about the coronavirus and how it is affecting MMA events. And I want to say this. Going in line with my theory of, not theory, but my philosophy of leaning with my bias and leaning with, um, I don't know, putting my heart on my sleeve, I got to be true to who I am. And that is someone with extreme anxiety. I am always anxious. Um, I won't go so far as to say I'm ODD, or sorry, OCD. Um, I, I, I won't go so far as to call myself a hypochondriac, but kinda. I mean, I talked to uh, my, my, someone I work with, um, co-worker that's the that's the word i was looking for i talked to one of my co-workers uh who was you know called a hypochondriac by one of their doctors and i'm like yeah that's me like kind of explaining how they said that and i was like oh yeah me hey um and part of it comes from my battle with cancer uh as a lot of you guys know um ever since i got because before then i, I kind of thought i was invincible and um it showed me i am very very invincible and so now uh, everything that happens, I'm like, let me fucking, let's go to the doctor right now. I got to get this taken care of right now. Like, and, and so since the coronavirus panic started, or I'll sh- I should say slightly before it started, I did adopt a mentality somewhat of like, you know, this isn't going to come our way. You know, it, it's not going to, it's not going to affect my part of the world. You know, we're fine over here. Everyone calm down. And then it got a lot closer, dude, and there started to be confirmed cases in my state, and then there started to be confirmed cases in my county, and it started to be, you know, at a hospital a few miles from me, and now I'm just, I absolutely can't stop thinking about it. Everything I do is like, 
Gotta touch, gotta wash my hands. Gotta, gotta use hand sanitizer. So I see a lot of people online who are not panicked. I see a lot of people online, and I would say shaming people because that, um, that they're sort of getting to like outrage culture territory, right? That's sort of getting into like me being like, stop shaming me or whatever. But you know, there's a lot of people who are not worried about this virus. And if you are, God bless you. Or, or if you're not, God bless. Well, I guess God bless you either way. But what I'm trying to say is, if if you are not panicked about it, fine. I don't want to force panic on you, but I sure as fuck am. And I sure as fuck am not going to force athletes who already put their health and safety on the line to do it in an even worse way for my own entertainment. So if they decide to cancel events, I got no problem with it. Now, should the UFC pay people who have had a fucking training camp and are just have it ripped right out from under them like a fucking rug? Absolutely. So I don't want to wish that on anyone. I, I, I definitely don't want anyone to not be able to provide for their family because that's almost where I am with this goddamn virus. And I, so I get it. But I, I wish people would take a step back and realize there's a right way to handle a situation and there's a wrong way. And if you are wanting to have some entertainment while you're, if you get forced into a quarantine, if, if your job decides to shut down, if the school decides to shut down and you have to be stuck at home, bro, put on Netflix, Hulu, uh, Fight Pass has old fights. Dude, we are so privileged to watch these fighters week by week display excellence and and heart and put everything on the line for our enjoyment. Zhang Weili came from China where the virus originated. She had to be quarantined in three different countries. And she gave us one of the fights of the century. We are absolutely privileged. We are not obligated to watch these. We, we do not have a fucking entitlement. That's the word I'm looking for. We are not entitled to watch these fights. We are privileged to watch these fights. So yeah, I have tickets to 249. I already can't go because of my performance, but my wife can. We're not going because of this fucking virus. And, and if you've been listening to the show from the beginning, you know that. I have been what I I would mention Tony and Khabib every episode, dude, until they made that fight. I really did. Someone asked me what's fight. I would always bring it back. There was always a light lightweight fight on every card. I would always bring it back. Like, when are we going to see Tony and Khabib? I always have been talking about this fight. If it puts people at risk, grow up. There are more important things in life, such as life itself. Okay, so I'm going to step off my soapbox now. I just had to get that off my chest because like I said, there is not a second that goes by where I don't think about the situation and it, it's affecting the, the sports world at large. And for some reason, Dana White is that asshole in the hurricane going like, not me, not me. I'm going to go outside and flip flops, not me. And and people are like championing him for this. Oh my god, dude.
So I guess that's it. That's all I have to say. I tried to think of something, I don't know, more positive. You know, I try to live in the positivity, but right now, it is becoming very fucking hard to be positive. So now let us exhale the coronavirus, literally, but, you know, you know, exhale bad vibes, as they say, like, and breathe in and release the negativity. That's what I'm trying to do is release the negativity and uh, pretend that shit, shit is all right with the world for for the next hour. Um, but I also wanted to say this, despite anything, despite if these fights get taken away from us, um, I, I'll be here. I will be providing the best content I can. I will be doing more blog posts. Uh, I will be doing podcasts. And uh, if there's no fights, maybe we're going to have guests, dude. How about that? Got to liven things up. So, uh, rant end. Sorry you had to hear that. I just need to get that off my chest. It's been weighing on me the last few days. So put that aside. Like I said, I'm going to do my best uh, to kind of pretend like nothing's going on in regards to these fights. Although I kind of can't. Um, You know, UFC London is really up in the air at the time of my recording. So uh, there are some UFC London questions and I'm going to do my best to answer them. So let's let's get started without further ado. Jusifer, still in the way of the MMA. Quick question for you. What is going to be your pick of the fight of the night for, well, what's your favourite fight that you're looking forward to in UFC London card? What do you think the outcome of the Woodley and Edwards fight is going to be? Yeah, I fucking want Edwards to get this. The atmosphere should be amazing. Anyway... What tip would you give somebody going to a UFC event for the first time? That's the second question. Hope you're well, man. See you later. I fucking love Scottish dialects. We need more of them on the show. I know there's plenty of you that listen. So get them in. Um, so my favorite fight on the UFC London card that I was looking most forward to was Molly McCann versus Ashley Evan Smith. Though just about an hour before I started recording, saw a tweet. That was fired off by, I want to say, Jim Edwards. Um, that's saying Ashley Evan Smith was leaving, that the fight is off. Even though I saw a tweet from yesterday from Brett Okamoto saying that she's like, I know I'm going into territory. I know I might not be able to come home because I have to be quarantined. I was like, bro, what the fuck? <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. So if, if I can't have that one, uh, Jack Shore versus Geraldo DeFreitas is a, is a really good fight. Apart from the main event, obviously. Uh, of course, I love me some Paul Craig. Berju. Really looking forward to that one. That was a terrible dialect. But, uh, um, yeah, and, and, and who I got to win? Sorry, bro. I ain't picking Leon Edwards. It's uh, Team Woodley all day, baby. And I know you're saying, like, oh, who thinks he's actually going to win on scale? It's got to be Leon Edwards just because you don't like him. Just because he's got no personality doesn't mean you have to pick against him. I'm picking against him because I'm, A, a big Woodley fan, and B, this motherfucker's going to come in motivated. 
He knows he shit the bed in his last performance. He knows the fans hate him. He knows the UFC brass isn't behind him. He knows he's got to go into enemy territory and put this man out in style. And he's going to do just that. At least that's what I'm hoping anyway. And I'm not discounting uh, Leon Edwards' skills in any in any regard. Um, it's just... It's just I have faith in Woodley's. Because, you know, Leon Edwards has been known to out-grapple people. And though Tyron got wrestle-fucked in his last fight, that was by... Uh, just a better wrestler. I don't think Leon Edwards is a better wrestler than Tyron Woodley. He's just not. And, uh, oh, your last question about advice going to your first event. Dude, soak in the moment. Like, I, I've I've been to so many UFC events that at, at, the, at this time, like, if, if I miss one, I'm okay. Because I've, I've, I've learned that, like, being able to not deal with the fucking wooing assholes and dealing with overpriced concessions and fucking overpriced parking in some cases. Like sometimes watching an event at home with your own food, your own beer, wine, cider, whatever the fuck you want, your own weed. Certainly can't bring weed into the arena. Like it's better at home sometimes. But certain certain events like the atmosphere is just going to be fucking off the charts. Like I was at UFC 217 and those three title fights, man... The building was electric. Like, I was in rarefied air that night. So, even though uh, Master Square Garden is a dump, I was glad to be in the building that night. Uh, which actually brings me to my next point. Do your research as, as far as, like, what food is available at the event. Because I did that for uh, UFC 217. Uh, and... I fucking saw there was a restaurant called The Garden at the Garden or something like that. It had garden in the name and it was like a playoff Madison Square Garden. And it was like all, it was like all about like health food. There was like salads and other stuff like that. And I was like, dude, I'm set. I love it. Vegan, let's go. And then I get there and the motherfucking place is closed, dude. There was just some bullshit chicken place. Dunkin' Donuts, which has nothing. By the way, Dunkin' Donuts is terrible coffee. I don't get what anyone says. It's terrible. Um, and uh, like pizza and fries and like dude i had nothing the whole night i mean i didn't have nothing but there was not a lot of options so call the venue make sure they're going to have those places open uh and also i I would definitely make sure fuck dude this is the problem like at the moment like if the fight's happening i think it has to happen in front of an empty arena does it not i don't know like like are you able to go i fucking have no idea so um I don't want to rub salt in the wound if that's the case because I know you're really looking forward to this uh, event. And uh, I was looking forward to seeing the pictures of you, Joe Bloggs, Fabian, all those people, Harry Andrews. Um, so if, if, if it doesn't happen, I'll be really sad for you. But um, yeah, I was. what I was going to say is like if it's going on, if you're able to go, make sure that, you know, what precautions like the restaurants are taking for motherfucking Corona because... I'm not eating out these days. Fuck no. Are you kidding me? I don't know what the fuck. I don't know if those employees are in the are washing their hands. Dude, I worked at a kitchen. It is not the cleanest place that you'd want it to be. So I guess, yeah, just do, do your research. And, and and soak it up. As I was saying, like, just, just live in the moment. Take lots of pictures and videos. And fucking uh, cherish it. Yeah, how about... About that, Gilbert Burns, what a performance! Showed 
a little bit there. He could grapple with him too, which I didn't. That's not surprising to me. It was just cool to see a little bit of both aspects of the fight. Now I got to know who's next for Gilbert. I want to hear your thoughts on it. Super stoked. Hell yeah, dude. Great performance from Gilbert Burns, as I said. And I neglected to mention in my recap, he called out Colby Covington. And I'm down for that fight, dude. Uh, I'm down. That's all I want to see for Gilbert Burns at this point. Because if, if Colby can deal with the with the jiu-jitsu and the fucking power of Gilbert Burns, he'll have my respect. Uh, until then, uh, I want Gilbert to pry it from his fucking limp hands. Oh, I'm going to sound like an asshole. Uh, but yeah, um, I would pay good money for that. I would pay so my money and someone else's money for that. All right, just seeing the MDA arena tonight made the judging better or just the exact same as all the rest of the car? That was John Noble at JS Noble 16. Oh, and I neglected to mention the last message about Gilbert Burns was from type on my photo at Old Street Kicks. Um, and if you don't speak Scottish... I uh, said, do you think the empty arena made the judging better or worse? It was the gist of that. Um, I actually did. Well, it's, you see, it's hard to say. Like, I didn't, there were, there were no decisions last night that I was like, oh, that's terrible. Right. Um, and there was a point in the, in the broadcast when uh, Michael Bisping was mentioning that, um, I think he said it was Benson Henderson. Although I don't, I, don't, I didn't see Benson Henderson in the corner. They're saying whoever was cornering Mac Desi was like, oh, good sidekick. He said, that, that's not for him. That's for the judges. He, he's a vet. And I was like, yeah, dude. But uh, he still lost that decision and rightly so. So, um, yeah, I, I, I would like to think it had a positive impact, the empty arena. But the only way to do that is to, like, rewind time and fill the arena. Like, you know what I mean? Like, have the exact same fight with a full arena. Like, that's the only, like, scientific way to actually quantify that. But I, I would like to think it did. So yeah, good question, and I, and I said that, that that was one of the positive things was I think you know the, the crowd is not going to sway the judging. Bro, what's up, man? Hitting you up about UFC Brasilia. I was impressed with uh, Kevin Lee and Charles DeBronx Oliveira. Man, he came to it. He came with it hot, hitting him with some. Big kicks, some big punches, some clean boxing. You know what I'm saying? And I was uh, also loving the fact that the the arena was empty. You could hear everything when the strikes hit. It was smack, pow, and then bam, it was on point. And uh, I enjoyed myself thoroughly tonight. And uh, I hope you did as well, my friend. Let's uh, hope we get some more cars coming up soon. And Khabib versus Tony happens for the fifth time's a charm. I'm still holding on. Peace. Yeah, same, dude. But as I mentioned, if it gets taken away from us, I'm not going to be fucking making a scene because I know it'll be for good reason. Um, that was uh, Positive MMA. Great follow. Check this guy out. Um, also, great voice. <laughs> uh, the fucking... Uh, in the forum bus, I said... If you got something to say, 
say with your chest and send a voice message. So he put in the thing, felt them empty seats in my chest, son, as the title of that um, message. Uh, that was great. And you actually, dude, you know who you sound like? This is going to sound crazy, right? But um, listen to uh, Freddie Prince Jr. either on his own podcast, uh, which I've only caught clips of and it's fantastic. Um, or his interview that he did with Ariel Hawani, where he talked about his history with like MMA and working for WWE and Vince McMahon, which was really fucking fascinating if you don't know. And he's friends with Angela Hill, so there's a lot of um, interesting things to take away from that interview. But you sound exactly like fucking Freddie Prince Jr., dude. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, the fights were great. I don't know that there was a question there. Just, um, just saying, yeah, you loved it. I... I like like I said, it's 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 unfortunate the scenario, like what's happening that causes us to have an empty arena. But I almost prefer it, dude. Like I almost prefer it. Like I don't know. Maybe when technology gets better, we'll be able to like put them in like a see-through, like soundproof bubble where we can have our kick in it too. Like you can be at the arena live. Like you can be there live, so you get the experience and you can watch it. But we at home get that amazing feeling of a of an empty arena the, the hearing the crack of the kicks maybe we just got to get fucking i don't know soundproof the octagon or some shit like put mics in there put mics on the corners uh dude i would love that juice wow turns out lee is a cheater and a fucking loser so we won't talk about him. Let's talk about something more worthy. What's your favorite video game of all time? Peace and Love, Jimmy the Drunk. <laughs> the Peace and Love saved it because the first part, I was about to get real upset. No, I love this guy, Jimmy the Drunk. Um, give him a follow. I think it's at Paroli Proud. Um, yeah, again, let's not talk about Kevin Lee. So thank you for saying let's not talk about it because I don't have to acknowledge that part of the question. But my favorite video game of all time, this is a, this is a great question because whenever I'm asked or whenever it comes up in conversation, I always say for my money, the best video game of all time is uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Like, of all time. Like, there's no, to me, like, that's it. Like, that's the that was the pinnacle. And uh, it never gets old. I, I, I can replay it. Although I don't like it because I kind of treat it like a treat um, and uh, it's something special. But my favorite video game of all time, and this is like my personal favorite, what I like to see in video games that I know is like not, you know, because like I think objectively like Ocarina of Time, like no matter what you like in video games, like that has everything, I think. But for me, what I like in video games, it's Psychonauts. My favorite game of all time, Psychonauts. And if you haven't heard about it, uh, that cycle like P S Y C H O N A U T S. Uh, it is a Tim Schafer game, and I'm a big Tim Schafer fan. He's my favorite game developer. Um, he's the co-founder, I think, and CEO of Double Fine Productions. And dude, this game is a fucking trip. It's about a guy, like a, I think he's supposed to be like 10 years old. Like he's like a little kid, anyway. Raz, short for Rasputin. Uh, finds out that he has like psychic powers, uh, but his family supposedly doesn't want him to to be psychic. So he runs away to this like summer camp where they train 
psychic kids. It, it, it all sounds like so like, but the, the, the story is so fucking intricate and it's so cool. And like, you, he goes into other people's heads. Like a lot of the, like, if you want to call them levels, even though it's like a lot of his kind of open play, which I like in a sense, but like not, not so much that it's like weird, like motherfucking, like in like Rockstar games where like you have to like go if you want to go across town there's no way to like jump to it like you have to literally like fucking get on your car and like go across town like there's ways to get around that but there's a lot of like open parts of the of thing like where you're going all across the camp and but then you're going into people's minds that's what i was trying to say earlier those are the, like levels you go into people's minds and you have to like at one point you literally go to an insane asylum insane asylum sorry an insane asylum that's like abandoned right but there's still like crazy people there and you go into their minds it is so fucking trippy there's parts of it that legitimately scare me where i'm like i get like anxiety like my heartbeat is like i don't want to go around the next corner like oh my god but but it's also the parts that are so funny like the sense of humor it has about itself and after replaying it like you find things that the it's called um it's called proleptic irony i think it's called proleptic irony it's like it's not not foreshadowing. It's it's like whatever. Like foreshadowing is meant to be, um, like sort of obvious. Like ooh, this is gonna make sense later, and then it does. Proleptic irony is something that doesn't seem obvious at the time, but then when it does come into play later, you're like, oh my god, that was there the whole time. Like that's what it is. Like there's certain things that, uh, like sort of little hints about, uh, what kind of comes together at the end of the story. It's phenomenal. Uh, it's on the original Xbox, and I think it's been reformatted so you can play it, because I played it on my 360. Um, well, 360 backwards compatible, which is something that the fucking later uh, platforms don't do, and that's why I won't buy them, dude. Anyways, um, I'm crazy, if you haven't noticed. Uh, so yeah, that's my favorite game of all time, Psychonauts. Wow, what a great question. Great question. Follow Jimmy the Drunk. Yo, 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 Juice, what's cracking? It's Cerrone Noseblow here. Thankfully, I got off work in time to catch the main event tonight. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was awesome. Uh, a lot of really good exchanges. The scrambles were even better. Uh, very impressed with uh, Charles again. Uh, I mean, you know he's good on the ground. You know he's good on the feet. I didn't think he would do that well on the feet with Kevin Lee, but he was piecing him up a good little bit. Um, kept trying to get the heel, which I know you were complaining about. So he gave up, he listened to you, and he got the neck. He got the job done, made the man try and take the back after he tapped. He didn't know where the fuck he was. But the real question is, Nevada is canceling combat sports. Dude, are we not going to see Tony and Khabib? Are they going to have to do this a sixth time? Are we ever going to fucking see it? We need it, bro. Ha! <laughs> Great question. Um, I, what he's referring to about, I was, I was getting mad at Charles Oliveira for taking the legs. Obviously that's his, his job, dude. He's supposed to like go for whatever finish he, uh, sees or whatever, what, the most vulnerable. But I as a Kevin Lee fan, I was, I was bro. I was like, stop going for his ankles, dude. <laughs> Leave him alone. <laughs> Which is like, was kind of, you know, stream of consciousness style tweeting. Like obviously do that if it, if it's fucking working, but that's funny. Uh, yeah, dude, I didn't talk about it, but like when, when Kevin Lee tapped, like we, that, that guillotine was quick. Like it was in there tight, like from, from the jump, like he fell right into it. It was, it almost reminded me of Moicano Ortega when Moicano shot and Ortega wrapped the guillotine up 
immediately and it was like a, like it was so tight and you just squeeze on it and more kind of tap like that was this and um kevin tapped real quick and then charles Oliveira kind of released and then kevin lee came to right because it seemed pretty evident, evident to me if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about the controversy here or not it's not controversy but but the way kevin lee acted right with people are like saying he, he was a, a bitch for Jorge Masvidal's manager, whoever whoever tweeted that tweet out, stop. Okay, but like, it wasn't a bitch move. He was out. Like, that's what I think because it, it makes no sense. Like, you tapped, you know that, and you're not going to keep going. Like, that was a pretty demonstrative tap, and the ref is pulling you off. I think he just was. His faculties were not there uh, in that particular moment. So, um, yeah. In regards to Nevada calling comments for us, so with. Uh, Ohio shutting down the Columbus card and with the, the New York uh, state of emergency and banning, you know, um, gatherings of more than 500 people or whatever. Um, yeah, it's looking pretty clear that we're not going to get Tony and Khabib. But the contingency plan was, OK, let's move it to the Apex, which is like the performance center or whatever, where they have the contender series. And it was going to be like, OK, this the backup plan. But the Nevada Athletic Commission. uh I guess it's ruled against that. They're saying they're not going to have combat sports, which, again, people got to do what they got to do. Like, we have to treat this as serious, and um, I, I don't care if, if you're mad about it. I, I'm sorry. Because it, it puts my mind at ease, and, um, yeah. Uh, however, people are saying, this is kind of funny, like, just put these guys in a parking lot with a fucking couple, couple of refs and just... Li- cameras and just let this happen i'm like dude that would be awesome but the problem is it has to be sanctioned like they have to go somewhere with it's where it's sanctioned someone was saying move it to russia because they haven't had any cases bro stop like last minute move an entire car to russia that's expensive as shit but uh i guess i'm cautiously optimistic or or not really but i guess sort of hopeful um so maybe stupidly optimistic, just hopeful that maybe it'll get sorted out in time for April 18th and that it'll still go on. But um, I don't know. I really don't. And then, uh, okay, so that's what I thought. We have to pick. Man, Yugi, by the way, this next, this next question is from Fuck Yugi. Um, that's at... Oh, and the last question when Cerrone knows blow, it's it's Luke Wright underscore oh seven. I'm gonna tag everybody at the end. I will. I'm gonna tag everyone on Twitter. Um, fuck Yugi. Uh, fuck is with two U's. So fuck Yugi. Um, and uh, he had two amazing questions, but with the new rule, gotta gotta um, only pick one. And uh, since I said my piece, one of them was about the coronavirus, which was a really good question. But I kind of said my piece about it already. And uh, this is a really good question that doesn't have to do with that. What's up, Juice? It's your boy, Yugi. Huge fan. Love your show. Um, I'm going to give a weird question just because I know all the normal questions about the events are going to come in. It's just something that popped into my head. What do you think is more effective in fighting? Do you think that, or in modern mixed martial arts, what do you think is more effective? Uh, is it Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or is it wrestling? Uh we're starting to see an over-influx of wrestling, and then we've seen a lot of situations where jiu-jitsu can just overwhelm wrestling. So I was just wondering what your opinion was on this situation. As always, I'm a huge fan. 
Uh, look forward to hearing you soon, very soon, because stupid fires floating around. Nothing to listen to. Uh, can't wait to hear you soon. Take it easy, buddy. It's Yugi. Peace. Guys, go follow this guy, first of all. His, 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 he's legitimately one of my favorite accounts. Um, F-U-U-C-K-Y-U-G-I. Um, the timeline is fire. I mean, what else could I say? The fucking reaction videos, the stories about getting high and banging all the chicks, like all of them, until there's none left for anyone else. Uh, it's so funny. The fucking, the tweets about, the fucking, I'm not going to say it because he doesn't want me to mention it, but the, the DY thing, you know what I'm talking about. That is the goat of tweets. Um, but more importantly, listen to his podcast, I Poke MMA, because I'm really fucking enjoying it. And I sent in a, uh, a question that a spoiler uh, alert for that. Um, I asked him about a time he uh, had a good lucid dream. Because uh, he talked about that once on Twitter. And I'm like, dude, I want to hear one of these fucking stories. And he said he got a good one. So I can't wait. Um, I haven't heard. Obviously, it's not out yet. So I haven't heard it. But uh, once it drops, fucking listen to it. Okay? Um, oh, now I got to actually answer the question. Dude, so it's, it's so funny um, you mentioned that because I don't have actual experience in this. But... I sort of have anecdotal experience or just sort of from talking to people. So um, when I had my last podcast, Mixed Martial Opinions, uh, which some of you have listened to, God bless you, it um, is not like an MMA podcast really. <laughs> but um, we did sort of talk about MMA. And uh, when, when I was in town visiting my friends in LA for, for one of the episodes, we went to Brazilian Top Team Fullerton. Uh, shout out those guys, Professor Jason Baxter. Um, it's 400 East Commonwealth Avenue in Fullerton. Just fucking Google Brazilian Top Team Fullerton. Obviously, you'll find it. But um, I got a I got a, a private session with one of the brown belts there, Ray. Shout out, so shout out Ray. He's awesome. And um, so since then, I kind of have like a little bit of maintained some contact with them, and we follow each other on Instagram, and, and I'm and I'm always in contact with those guys. There was one week where they had like uh, a D1 wrestler there. Um, who may have been on the Olympic team? I'm not sure, um, but the, but they he was he well known in the wrestling world, and they had him at the gym for like a week, and they were talking, and, and then I I remember talking about he's like yeah dude like wrestlers can like their instincts about grappling like they almost don't need to learn jujitsu for certain things like you can catch them but like they're even though they're a white belt they're not a fucking real white belt you know so um, what I would say to that is top control right and and wrestlers are good at top control for the most part. Um, because even, like, you have to be really fucking good at jiu-jitsu to, to, to get submissions off your back in MMA because of, like, punching. And, uh, you know, you can kind of sort of stand out of the guard and, and sort of get out of the jiu-jitsu. Like, you have to be really good at from the bottom to, to get a uh, submission in MMA. And for the most part, it's top control that um, that's uh, key, key, key to victory there. So... Um, Chael Sonnen has a has a good point about how American wrestlers are rewarded for top control, like in American wrestling, college, collegiate wrestling, I believe, whereas like other wrestling, they don't put as much focus on more about the takedowns or whatever. So um, that I don't know much about because I'm not a wrestler and I don't follow it. But um, I, I would just say it's uh, about top control, like certain um, like 
not all black belts are created equal, right? Like more gyms or, or certain people have a more, more focus on a certain aspect of it. So a lot of jiu-jitsu, they focus on the guard. They focus on, you know, working from your back and things like that. That's one of my favorite parts of jiu-jitsu. But uh, some people who, who are wanting to be MMA fighters from the jump, they focus on a more top co- top control oriented game and that uh, benefits them more in the transition. So. I would say it's that, but also I would also say this. I want to. This is why it's such a good question, and this is why you should listen to this podcast because of he's always posing like, you know, ideas like this. Is because for the longest time, like, like jujitsu started the game, right? Like with Hoist Gracie, it started to be like that changed the game, right? Like no one knew how to handle jujitsu. Then wrestlers came in and were able to like kind of nullify it. And then once people started to figure out wrestling, then it became about like who is the most well-rounded, right? And that we're sort of leaving that era, like now or. What I meant to say is at the dawn of MMA, it was about being a specialist. It was about bringing different styles together. And now we're sort of back to that. It's almost like it's like fads. Like they're coming they come a cycle, like it's a trend, right? Like now I've noticed that being really, really, really good at one thing in MMA is still a fucking like better than like being pretty good at all the things. Like Tatiana Suarez, Khabib, people that are fucking dominant ass wrestlers. Like, that's good. and But it's not just the wrestling. Like, someone like Wonderboy, who's a specialist. You learn some takedown defense, you can be a fucking problem. And Wonderboy is a problem. Um, so, yeah. Or like Damian Maya, jiu-jitsu specialist. You know? So, I guess both. Because if, if you're just a jiu-jitsu guy and you don't have wrestling, you can't really get it to the ground. So... It's such a great question. I don't really have an answer more than just to say top control and being a specialist. What's going on, you bunch of fucking casuals? Well, that UFC Brasilia, that wasn't too bad. It started off a little bit slow, but I missed the first bit anyways. I was out uh, being a guest on some motherfucker's podcast. What can you say? <laughs> can you believe somebody actually asked me to come on their podcast? Holy fuck, eh? No, seriously, man. MMA lock of the night. Great fucking dude, man. Great guy. I had a lot of fun to be out on Wednesday. Anyways, my question for you, Juice. What do you do with no sports at all? Now there's no fighting and, you know, hopefully we get more UFC, but with no other sports around now, what do you do? I know you're not a big football fan or anything, but you gotta do other sports, don't you? That's my question for you. It's always 420. Peace. This is a great question. Uh, I'm actually getting back into football. I was a football fan when I was young, and then I kind of realized that football players are fucking assholes and pieces of shit, and so I stopped watching it, and now I'm getting back into it. But, uh... I don't follow like other like basically it's just the NFL and that's over as far as I know. Like I don't follow it that fucking closely but oh they traded this guy like I don't give a shit about that. I just want to watch the game. Um so but yeah and I, and I don't give a shit about basketball or golf or well see baseball is one thing like you can watch live and and enjoy it I think. Um but watching on TV is fucking so boring. Uh but I um when I was like three years old, um, Sam, I, like I always have to have like an emotional connection to something. Like when I was three years old, my dad took me to an Angels game, and they were filming Angels in the outfield, and so they they got like a crowd shot of everyone in the crowd that 
to win that game, like doing the the, the wave, like where you flap the angel wings. And uh, I've been able to like point us out in the crowd, like one time when I watched the movie. May not have been us, but like I kind of see Alan and my dad, and like my older brother was there, and obviously I'm so it was like he's either some dude who had a fucking this, us, two sons that were the same size as us, or it was us. Um, so uh, I always like to know how the angels are doing in, in regards to that uh, baseball, but yeah, for the most part, I don't fuck with sports. Has to be has to have face punching involved, dude, uh, or strangulation, which could not be about combat sports at all. Wink, wink. Um, just kidding. But uh, what I'm gonna do, number one, I'm gonna focus on my playing. I'm focus on um, learning my lines, which I'm behind on. Because I'm uh, a terrible actor, and in terms of like doing my shit, <laughs> I'm a lazy actor. Let's let's call it that. I'm a lazy actor. Um, I'm probably gonna be doing some, doing some puzzles with my wife. Spend more time with her. It's gonna be awesome. I'm probably gonna get drunk as shit. Um, not like we stocked up on booze or anything, but like we're both lightweight, so. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm also gonna probably eat a lot because we stocked up on a ton of food. Um, I'm also going to binge watch all the shows, as I mentioned earlier. Like, just because there's no sports doesn't mean there's not other forms of entertainment. And uh, right now, I'm binge watching The Magicians. If anyone has uh, has watched Magicians, I know I say Doolot has. I think we've talked about it before. Um, maybe Genghis as well. Um, that fucking show is a trip. I watched the first season like when it was live, I think, or when it had just come out anyway. And we were like, oh, but then it ended fucking abruptly. It was like, dude, what the fuck? Like the last episode of the first season, the first episode of the second season should have been a two-parter. And, and, and then maybe you end the season there or you find a different fucking way. Like that that wasn't it. Like I, I sort of fell off after the, the first season because it's such a cliffhanger. And then we got back into other shows. Like I had to, we literally had to rewatch the first season. So now we just rewatched it. We're like midway through the second season, and it's getting good again. So I'm like, yeah, I can't wait to fucking get through this. And after that, I have no idea. I think Crystalia special just came out actually, even though I saw him live in Atlantic City, where uh, the material that that special was derived from was uh, where he did that same material. So I don't know that I'll get anything more out of it. Uh, but he did film it in Minnesota which is where Mixed Demand is from, and he loves Minnesota. So maybe I'll watch it for that. Hey there, Juice. Fighting with myself. It's Smokey J here from Australia. Uh, first off, I just wanted to give a bit of a shout out to the boss man Dana White. Um, blessed art thou that bringeth the fucking violence. Uh, hats off to him. It fucking warms my heart to know that he's out there working his little pink balls off to bring us the fights. Good job, Dana. Um, also, fucking Mark Hunt has been in talks to fight an ex-Aussie rugby player, uh, Paul Gallen. I mean, Paul's had 10 professional boxing fights in his last one. He fought an ex-football player, AFL player, to a draw. Uh, I really think that Mark's going to totally rearrange his face and force him into a soup diet for a while. Just wondering if you knew anything about how that fight is progressing, man. That's all. Bye. Dude, Smokey J has got these questions down to a science. He fucking has the whole, like... 
Hey there, Juice. Fighting with myself. It's Smokey J here from Australia. And then I'll do his whole spiel. And he always ends right at the minute mark, dude. Like, it's they're always 59 seconds. I'm fucking mad respect to Smokey J. And definitely follow him. It's at SmokeyJMMA. And, uh, of course, I just realized that I forgot to do Jim Asun's handle, which is at Jim Asun1. Uh, dude, um, I don't know anything about that, but I'm super fucking excited. I'll watch, like, I don't, uh... I don't, I don't, I don't follow boxing. Um, it's too one-dimensional for me, and um, I hate the fans. And I know that there's some crossover fans. Like, I don't, that's, not, that's not about you, you know. So don't take it personal. But um, people that are just boxing fans that hate MMA, I fucking hate them. They're terrible people. Um, but uh, I'll watch Mark Hunt do anything. That guy's so fucking entertaining. His interviews are always the best. His fucking Instagram is the best when he calls Brock Lesnar a cheating cunt and he says, like, stop sticking needles in your ass and all the stuff that he says. It's on point. Um, even when he calls people, like, I hate when people say this, but when he says, like, when fans troll him or whatever and he, call, he calls him, like, bitch boy, I think that's such a fucking shallow insult and it's too, like, alpha male or whatever. But, like, when Mark Hunt does it, I'm like, yeah, dude, call him a bitch boy. Call these stupid fucking assholes. Uh, <laughs> I love Mark Hunt. And, uh, yeah, thank you for, for bringing light to that because I otherwise would not have known. Yo, Juice, it's your boy Shane Tara. How you doing, you skyscraping looking motherfucker? So my question for you is sort of a two-part question. Um, the The prelim fights we've had this year have been pretty fire. Just almost every card of the prelims have been great. So what I want to know is, <clears throat> what was your favorite prelim fight from USC Brasilia? And then excluding that fight, what do you think is the best prelim fight of the year so far? I'm very excited to hear your answer about this one. Thanks, homie. Great question, Shane. That's at Shane Terra. Go give him a follow. And, uh, bro, came in, I love that he came in so aggressive, saying I'm a skyscraper-looking motherfucker, and I was like, what's up with this disrespect? And then I realized, how can I take offense to that? He's just saying, I'm tall as shit, and that's fine. I love that. That's <laughs> like saying, what's up, you fucking buff-ass motherfucker? Like, I can't take offense to that, because it's a compliment, basically. Um, but I was when I was thinking this, it was so funny, especially like now that I've like fucking shaved and my hair is short. If... Shane Terra and I were to stand next to each other and, and we took a picture. I'm 6'2", pushing 6'3". He's 5 and change. I don't want to offend him by saying too low. And I also don't want to miss the mark. Um, but he's... I know he's on the shorter side. If we stand next to each other, bro, we would make a perfect meme for someone to be like, how females view the difference between 6 feet and 5'11 online. <laughs> so funny. Uh, anyway, dude, my favorite uh, prelim fight uh, from this card was probably the Haniyaya Barzola fight. Uh, obviously, I'm a big Barzola fan, so I was super uh, hyped for that fight. And it was great. The Amanda Hibas fight was really good as well. Um, and I didn't mention, I don't think, but the uh, Marina Moroz and uh, Buena Silva fight, fucking great. Those ladies brought it, dude. The women showed up uh, for this card. So fucking kudos to them. And um, my favorite fight, prelim fight of the year so far of 2020 i mean i'm this is gonna be when i hear you're gonna be like oh obviously you picked this but obviously it's gonna be roxanne monterey versus macy barber but dude that fight had everything um i mean it's hard not to have recency bias but like the shane o'malley shane o'malley fuck me the sean o'malley one 
was awesome where he knocked that dude fucking cold. The Herbert Burns fight was awesome as well. And dude, oh, from that same card, I think the Montel Jackson, is it? Versus, I don't know, the guy with the fucking chin from hell, whatever, the, they had that war. Oh my God, that was an amazing fight too. All right, Tubes. It's me from over the sea. It's your boy, Joe Blog 74. Now, um, just a bit down today because um, UFC London's just been cancelled. So I'm not going to see my boys, Fabian, Harry, or Chris, among others. Um, so hopefully I'll see them at Dublin. Um, just wanted to know what you think of Gilbert Burns because I think he's going to go all the way to the top. Can't see many stopping him. Well, I hope he goes to top. I think there's a good promise there. And what do you think of Walker and Lee? They're just going to go anywhere now. Where I don't know what's happening with them too. I thought they were going to be really good, and now they're just looking like top teners. Ladies, mate. Wow, great question, and um, I don't know how accurate that is about UC London being cancelled. Um, like I said before, I started recording. Uh, it looked like they were trying to trying to piece the card together, which fucking UFC, they're clinging to their, like, money. They're like, oh, my God, it's fucking, I mean, whatever, but. Um, I mean, I know there's the whole saying, like, the show must go on, and obviously that comes from show business where I come from, but, like, sometimes, dude, in these situations, like, you got to fucking cut your losses. Um, so sorry to be the, the, the downer in that situation. But uh, I hope it's still going on because I, I really would love for that to happen for, for you guys. But again, health and safety is number one. <sighs> this is just depressing. But uh, yeah, dude, I, I think highly of Gilbert Burns. Um, I think if he can get past Colby, which uh, I think is the fight to make, then I think he deserves a shot at the title. Um, obviously, the winner of Woodley Edwards notwithstanding. Um Maybe, dude, maybe if Leon Edwards loses, then they do Leon versus Gilbert Burns. That's probably the fight to make, in all honesty. Um, but uh, otherwise, I think he's going straight to the top. I don't think he gets past Camaro. And I was I was thinking that on the night, dude. I was thinking that last night, how, like, yeah, dude, if he gets by Colby, there's no stopping him getting to the champ. But then I was like, bro, Camaro? They train together. They're both uh, under Henry Hoof to Hard Knocks 365. So that's going to make things super uncomfortable. So I guess we should hope that Masvidal beats Usman, even though there's a lot of haters saying Masvidal has no chance. Um, we should hope for that because then we can get Gilbert Burns versus uh, Jorge Masvidal for the title. Do. Do Bronx. Do Bronx, mate. What's up, Juicy? Uh, it's your boy. I say do a lot. I had a whole how high skit thing worked out in my head right there. Didn't didn't work out. Fuck it. Um, Charles Oliveira, killer. My question to you is a question for everyone. When are we gonna realize that you know great coaches are often just the product of having like one great fighter in their stable? For us, a hobby's a great coach. Um, but he's not going to turn Kevin Lee into a world beater, and he's not going to turn Johnny Walker into a world beater. Those guys both 
supreme athletes, man, but they just don't have it all put together. Faraz had GSB, so we're always going to swing from his nuts. And that's the way it is. Amanda Ivas, ooh. Um, <laughs> everyone stay safe out there. Love you, MMA Twitter. Uh, love that guy. As you said, it's I Say Dude a lot. Handle is at JRSP underscore 1976, I think. Um... Yeah, I think it's JRSP underscore 1976. I've typed it enough to probably know that. Um, yeah. Uh, so here's the thing. And I I was a big, like, I guess, proponent of, of Kevin Lee having, like, a, a new sort of breath in his career um, at TriStar. And that wasn't to say that, like, you know, like, here's the thing. Like, sometimes changing camps doesn't solve all problems. Sometimes you're the problem. Like... I'm not saying that about Kevin Lee, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that, you know, sometimes that's the case. But I just thought, like, with him being such a, a GSP fan and, and trying to mimic his style at times, um, except obviously being, like, more dangerous on the feet, um, that would be good for him. And just, like, being in that environment and being, like, a supportive environment and kind of going away versus, like, not being at home, I thought that would be good for him. Uh, but I, I think, you know, he needs a good coach and his, his, uh, the late Robert Fallis, unfortunately, is no longer with us. And that was his, that was probably the right coach for him, which, which really is unfortunate. Um, the other thing is I never thought, I'm not, not never, but I didn't think TriStar was the right move for Johnny Walker. The problem is like Johnny Walker is like, he, like, he needs consistency and he's changed camps a lot in his life. And still not been able to fix the problems. Like he was, the Krylov was still laying the right hand at will, um, and he was still getting taken down. So, what what are you gonna do? But regards to the coach thing about Frost, like respect to Frost because he is always in the corner of of the majority of his fighters. Like I'm sure they must have other coaches, but he's always in the in their corner, even on someone new. But Frost has given new life to other careers. So. Um, it's not just GSP, right? Um, but I think more, more, and more to my point. It's about chemistry. It's about finding the right coach for you, and that's why I think. Um, now I'm sort of realizing, like, I get asked this question a lot, like, "What do you think is the best gym?" And I always sort of mention ATT, but I don't think I give that the final one. Like, that's why that what they've got a great thing going at ATT because they have a huge stable of coaches and like Mike Brown is one of the best coaches in the world, but he's not always the one, even though he's another one that I give credit to for always being in the corner. Um, he's not always the one like Katul Kubis and, uh, whatever the fucking people that you want is always shouting at Mikey Brown, Katul Kubis. Um, uh, but, uh, they used to have Kami Barzini, which I think he made them might, might be at hard Knocks 365 now. Like they've got a huge stable of coaches, a uh, Conan, Conan Silveira, who uh, who trains with Amanda Nunes and other coaches, like he uh, is great, and so th they have a variety of options because sometimes personalities and in certain styles are better for certain fighters. So um, I think it, I think it's about finding the right coach for you. So Faraz is a great great coach, but as you said, it might, it's not going to help everybody. And that unfortunately is the end of the voice question. So let's. Uh, Let's venture into the Twitter forum, shall we? And this first question is from Pat Tobin at underscore, or sorry, at Pat underscore Tobin. It says, we know with no crowds, the corner man will try to 
try more to influence the judges, but will the commentators inadvertently in influence the judges as they're more likely to be heard? Uh, that's a good question, and I don't think so. Uh, well, I'll say this. I didn't think so in this case. Like Bisping uh, is is proving every time he comes on the mic, he's proving to be one of the best commentators in the game. And I don't, that That's not my bias. That is fucking truth. Um, he just is. And I don't think he was being at all biased uh, on on the broadcast. And, uh, yeah, I do think it is more likely to be heard, although they don't have to, like, sometimes with the, with the corner shouting, they're not always going to hear the commentary. And I, I believe judges are placed at different spots around the octagon, so they're not always going to be next. It's not, it's not like the commentary table and the judging table right next to each other. Like, the judges don't know each other's scores. Like, they have to be, they're placed different uh, spots around the around the arena, so, or around the octagon. So what, that, that's a great question. I, I don't think it affected this night, but if, if we continue to see empty crowds, there's a possibility that at least one of the judges could be uh, affected by the commentary if it's biased commentary. So there's a lot of variables there. It's, hard, it's a hard question to answer, but it, it's, it's possible. It's highly possible. Next question is from microcosm at microcosm but the last o is a zero it's one of my it's one of my favorite fucking names um because also it's not like the word microcosm it's mike like his name is mike and then it's a, it's a portmanteau what do you want from me um it says with the, with the ufc willing to put fights on, put on fights in the apex do you think we should split fight cards into two separate events and create a weekly wednesday night fights so that we only have to dedicate like three hours at a time to fights instead of, of a whole saturday night wow that's an interesting question now it's a little it's a bit um uh i'll say untimely just because we've now come up with the information that i i guess we can't put fights on in the apex at the moment because of this fucking situation but let's take this question out of it let, let, let's or let's take the timeline out of it like, let's say that this could be a thing like later on in the, in the year i i'd be for it dude Especially like basically split up the prelims in the main card. Like it will have better stacked cards, right? Uh, better layout of the cards. And now, like when they say people are like headlining the prelims, like they're the main event of the prelims, that will now be a real thing. Like you'll now have like they could still call it the prelims. Like it could still be like you said, splitting it up. Like you could have, let's say, UFC two forty eight, right? You could still say these are the UFC two forty eight prelims, and they're just taking place. At the apex. Dude, that's a great idea. Alright, this next question is from Harry Andrew at Harry Andrew94. And, and if you haven't listened to the show before, I always read Harry Andrew's questions in RP. And if you're not from uh, the UK, you won't know that RP stands for received pronunciation, which doesn't matter to you, it only matters to anyone who lives there. And it matters to me. Because it is in my line of work. And it's a dialect I'm having to use in my upcoming play. So if you are in the New Jersey area and you want to check out my play and you're not afraid of the virus, please come out and support my show. Or don't, because I don't want to get corona from you. And I'm convinced everyone has it. So forget what I said. Um, his question says, Juice, I'm not feeling too well, so no voice question. We constantly criticize fighters who don't make weight. After tonight, I'm wondering if this rhetoric is only reserved for fighters we don't like. I like Lee a lot, but could not support him tonight as I constantly trash fighters who do what he has done. What do you think? It may just be my timeline, but I saw a lot of hate for Lee on Wayne Day and the opposite today. By the way, Charles's nickname is so awful. 
as always, love the show. I think he's amended it by saying, reading through and that's really wordy. Basically, do you think, yeah, I'm not going to, because I liked to, I liked the whole thing, Harry. I liked it. And here's my answer. I mentioned at the top of the show, I'm a big Kevin Lee fan. And that will always colour my opinions when I'm talking about any of his fights. But I have fallen victim to this in the past, where I've criticised a fighter for missing weight, and it's all I can think about the whole Friday before the event. Way and day, I'm 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 so I'm I'm fucking pissed, right? It happened when Yo Romero missed weight for uh, his first, well, technically second interim title shot against uh, Luke Rockhold in Perth. To say it was UFC 231, I could be wrong about that. It was anyway, it was one of those cards in Perth, and he missed weight. And I was like, You motherfucker, you shot yourself in the foot now, you can't actually be eligible for the title. Now, there we could be having a situation where Luke Rockhold is champion again, and I don't want that. So I was pissed at him. Uh, and then Luke tweeted out something to the effect of should have been doing the salsa in the sauna, which was a reference to his open workout. Is the only good piece of content Luke Rockhold has ever given us. That was fucking hilarious. But now fuck Luke Rockhold. And so to that point, on the day of the event, I was like, forget that funny tweet. Still with Yoel. Yoel, go smash Luke Rockhold. So I, I've done this before where our memories are incredibly short as is. And so the night of the weigh-ins, I will bury someone. And then on the day of the event, if I decide that I hate the other fighter more, I'll dig them up. So you know what? I buried you, but I'm going to dig you up. Let's go get this work. And so whilst I was quite disappointed in Kevin for missing weight, as I mentioned before, I was very quick to forgive him. I was very ready to forgive him. Um... Because he's he's not meant for 155. He's meant for 165. I'm, I'm going to write a blog about this. It's, it doesn't matter in this uh, instant. Um, but yeah, this is a this is a great point. And I understand my philosophies are different from most of the world. I'm I'm learning this. I'm I'm not. My frame of mind is is not the same as everyone else's. I'm a completely fucking unique person that is is not meant for for regular interaction and so if you think my opinion is trash that's fine next question is from back to normal this next question is from gringo enojado at somos enojado great fucking handle and um he just, he just says johnny walker over here's the thing bro i'm a massive johnny walker fan and i'm like i'm i've got one foot off the doctor not really that's that's not fair to say but at the moment i'm like he needs and, and someone else is going to ask this question so i'm not going to i'm not going to say but he needs a different kind of treatment from the ufc they they hyped him up too much he he basically he's getting the darren chill treatment where they're like this guy's the next thing let's push him into a title fight like that's kind of what they were doing like especially with him saying you know he would beat john jones and things like that um bro it ain't happening um but I, I still think he has a place in the UFC, and I still think he can beat a lot of people in that division. I think he's, he needs some grooming, and he's a better fucking camp. So, 
Yeah. <laughs> Next question is from Fraser at Fuzz LCFC. It says, would Bruce Buffer had been his normal characteristic self if he was the MC? Okay, charismatic self, sorry. Would he have been his normal charismatic self um, if he was the MC? Interesting question. You know, it's funny. I think he would have, but I've heard Bruce Buffer. Um, I mean, I think we all have, like when he was on the god-awful Geico commercial and things like that where he does his thing um, and he tries, tries to say like a normal sentence in his announcing voice. It sounds so bad. And I'm a Buffer fan. I am. I love the guy. But sometimes when he's like, all right, tonight we're going to do this, and I'm going to the store. And I'm like, bro, stop! And like, it would have sounded like that in an empty arena. He, and and he's a kind of guy he can flip the switch. He can make it. He can bring that same energy. But his fucking persona personality. It reminds me of a, a Russell Brand joke where he was like, he was like, my personality doesn't work without fame. I've got to be famous. Without the fame, I'm just a stupid cunt or whatever he said. Like. It, like, Bruce Buffer's fucking persona doesn't work without an audience. <laughs> but Joe, Joe Martinez does. <laughs> That's funny. Next question is from... I'm not going to fucking say... Bro, Seth, you just give me with the bad Barbie. I'm not going to pronounce that. Uh, but it's at MMA Catfish. It's uh, Seth's um, new account. Um, it says, with... Nevada shutting down all competitions. UFC cannot use Apex Arena unless they go somewhere shady, which is a possibility. Could this be what makes fighters realize they need a union and a better share of the profit so that they could have been more prepared financially? Oh my God, this might be the best question of all time. I'm coming right now. Like I'm like, oh my God, this is the best question of all time. Uh, yes, dude, yes. All good unions need a catalyst. This could be the catalyst. If we if we go for a dry spell and, and these fighters cannot like, make a living, they're gonna need some sort of collective bargaining. I just I don't even have like I've ranted about the need for unions and, and the need for better revenue share on, on on the fighters and having a seat at the table and I've, I feel like I've exhausted all my energy about it and I don't want to like I could go on a rant but I'm just like dude this yes like that the only answer I have is like yes that that's it. Uh, yeah, they need it. I mean, pension, something like, oh God, this is depressing me to think about all the fighters that are, might, might, uh, be missing out on, on the only paydays that they've been looking forward to. Got another question from John Noble at JS Noble 16. I see another one. He did a voice question. This is his first forum question. He get one each. Um, he says, how do you think Burns versus Colby pans out? The same way this one did. With Burns getting a fucking first round KO. How about that, Colby fans? How about that? <laughs> great question. Uh, Cyrus King. And this is the great part about the form, dude. Um, Bazman22, um, the Baz, uh, replied to him. And they had a back and forth about the fight. So go check out the form and go read that. Um because I'm not gonna, like I'm not gonna read it, but that's the whole point of the form is like people can talk amongst themselves about it. Um, this next question from Cyrus King at Cyrus King. You guys know Cyrus King's the man. Go follow him. I don't I don't care what you're doing. You're not on Twitter if you don't follow Cyrus King. He says, "Where does Charles Oliveira fit into all this, motherfucker?" <laughs> so play play on uh, whenever Charles Sun does his podcast and Kevin Lee comes up, he's like, "Where does Kevin Lee fit into all of this?" Uh, 
I'll tell you where Charles Oliveira fits in all this. Definitely, um, he's in the elite amongst the division. I think I'm. I was. I'm. I was so slow to be on board with the Charles Oliveira train because he would. He would miss weight at 145, have a terrible performance, then be forced to go up to 155 and get like a first round submission or a fucking like amazing fight, and then on the mic being like, "Next stop, I'm going back down to 145." And I was like, "Bro, what are you doing?" He was like sabotaging his own career. So, like, if you don't aren't invested in your career, I'm not invested in your career. And I've just realized like that's why. I'm I'm slow to be on the hype train with with Charles Oliveira, but uh, he's he's legit. He's the real fucking deal. Uh, it just sucks that he's he he wasted time at 145. We're sending him calling here the best submission artist in in UFC history because he has the most wins, and he fucking got guillotined by Ricardo Lamas and uh, by fucking Showtime Pettis as well. Like, sorry, that's a that's a question for another day. Um, but yeah, he's in the elite. I don't know what else to say. I'm looking at that gift that Cyrus always uses with that guy, like trying to hold in laughter and failing. Uh, it's so funny. Um, next question is from Meep MMA at Meep MMA. Love this guy. Um, he says, "Where does Kevin Lee go from here?" That's terrible. Wow, that, wow, that was the worst Irish dialect I've ever done in my life. He says, "Where, where does Kevin Lee go from here?" Huge win for Oliveira. What's next for him? No crowds for future events. Yeah, dude, I said. If we can figure it out, um, like obviously, terrible circumstances that this took place uh, without a crowd, but if we can make it for a good reason and, and, I don't know, still figure out a way for fans to be able to watch live, like that would be awesome because the no crowd thing, let it. And his other question, so where does Kevin Lee go from here? Man, see, I, this, this is such a problem for me because my instinct is always to say, not instinct, but my, I'm always banging the drum of 165. Like, to me, that needs to happen. Um, or just some different thing with the weight cutting where, where they maybe do something like what one does. I don't know if that's the answer. Um, but I saw after the scrum, he said that 55 is still going to be his home. Um, he thinks he's too small for 170. Um, he just needs to make some adjustments and, uh, but he says he's also going to take a long layoff. So I don't know how, how much of that is just emotions. Um, it's something I'm not equipped to answer at the moment. Uh, cause, uh, I'm pretty emotional myself about it. And then he also said he would win for Oliveira. What's next for him? You know, uh, I think I'd like to go for... He definitely needs to step up. Like, he's on an impressive win streak. I think outside of Tony Ferguson and Khabib, obviously, I think he's got the longest win streak in the division. So, maybe the Paul Felder fight. See, if they hadn't already fought, like, that to me, like, is a rematch that doesn't really make sense. But ranking-wise, it kind of does make sense. So, it's it's just, like, that's also why I hate the rankings, to be fair. <laughs> Damn it, why not? The Paul Felder rematch. Or the Cowboy fight, which I kind of don't want to see Cowboy fight anymore, but if he's going to fight, that's a good fight. All right, and uh, next up is from Oli Ra at Leg Sweep MMA. He said, should Kevin Lee be forced to move to 170? 165 is not a valid answer. You motherfucker. Him and I have been at war over this, and I it's, it's such a point of contention because I'm always going to want 165... Because I always want the fighters to be more healthy, and there there seems to be a lot of people 
who are too big for 155 and too small for 170. So, um, should he be forced to move? No. If, if we're talking about like taking the bias out of it and like what I think should happen in terms of like when people force up, because I understand like things happen, you miss weight. Like, it, it's terrible, but sometimes these things happen. I think if you do it twice in a row, you should miss weight. He may wait for his last fight. If he may wait for the, for the fight before that, which was at 170. But um, I'm, I'm going to say in terms of penalties, like we're talking about, you know, because sometimes fighters do need to be forced up um, or forced to move up rather. I think two two weight misses in a row is what is what does it. Like if motherfucking Figueredo misses weight for this next fight, dude, you're gone. You ban him weight now. You ban him weight now. Great question. Love Ali Ra. I hate when we fight about this. Um, this question is from Bazman22. Uh, the Baz. This is how impressive was Burns in your opinion? I think people forget that Maya literally only loses to championship guys. Yeah, you know, that's right. Um, I think he does have a loss to Ryan LaFlair, who I wouldn't call a champ, but um, maybe that's shitting on someone unnecessarily. <laughs> uh, but Maya is fucking legit. Or is it Rick Story? One one of those guys. He uh, like they out wrestled him. Um, but that aside, that's impressive. You don't smoke Maya in the first round. You don't, and that was fucking really impressive. Uh, so I think that was uh, that was a really great that was a really really great performance out of Burns. To be honest, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm always like, here's the thing: is like maybe Burns just was made for 170, but to me, he also feels like a guy that could benefit from 165 pound division. Um it's it's one of those situations where he was a 55er and he'd had some success at 155, but he never really broke through the top level. And now he's gotten he's taking he's taking full advantage of short and rest opportunities. He's catapulted himself into the tie level. He's he really reminds me of Anthony Smith in that regard. Like Anthony Smith is is a fighter that I love and watch love watching fight. And he right now is is in the elite of two oh five. But it, if we're being honest, he was never an elite and middleweight, partially because that division is so stagnant. Like he never really broke through, and he was cutting too much weight. Then he jumped up, got a few short notice opportunities, capitalized, was was vaulted into a title shot. So there's a lot of parallels there. Like Burns got knocked the fuck out by Dan Hooker. If y'all forgot, like everyone loves Dilbert Burns, they're they're riding his dick lately. He got knocked the fuck out by Dan Hooker. Okay, <laughs> so. Um, I guess uh, I just had to to rub that salt in the wound. Maybe I'm an asshole. But uh, no, no, Gilbert Burns is, is very good. He's very good. Um, but I just, I, I don't know how he fares. Like, like, here's how I look at it. Like, Gilbert Burns versus Khabib. That's a pretty interesting fight, dude. Because of his power and his jujitsu. Like, if you were to be able to, I'm, I'm saying if he was still a 55, if he would be able to crack the top you know, 10 enough and, and cracked the top five to earn a title shot and went to five. That's an interesting fight to me. Gilbert Burns versus Kamaru, not interesting to me. Kamaru's way too big, which matters in grappling. And, uh, I mean, Kamaru went five rounds with Damian Maya. Which is, is that say like, you know, let's not use MMA math and say, well, he went five rounds with Maya and Burns finished number one. Maybe Burns will finish Kamaru. That's not the case here but what what i'm saying is if we're talking about measuring his like ability to like out grapple a guy um kamaro dominated a, a jiu-jitsu guy in damian maya so yeah 
You know what? I'm sounding like too much of a pessimist. Fuck it. Gilbert Burns, champion, 2020. Fuck it. All right, this next question is from Phil, the MMA dude. Shout out, Phil, in the Split Decision podcast. Uh, uh, I love listening to their podcast week by week. Um, he says, what's next for Kevin Lee? He had a tough loss and missed weight, but 170 really doesn't seem like a good fit for him. Thoughts? You know, I've given, I've pretty much given my thoughts on this, you know, uh, topic. But um, I'll just, I guess I'll, I'll give a little teaser. 165, the, the need for the 165 pound division is going to be the next step for my uh for next step the next uh post for my blog the next subject because i just it's i I gotta write what i feel i gotta write what i you know what i want and that's it that's all i can think about right now is that and uh, kevin lee's gonna be on the short list for that for sure And, and to me like it's it's a it's a business move like a lot of people are saying like oh i'd rather have you know, two stacked divisions, then three not so stacked divisions. Like, dude, there's enough to go around. If you look at the other divisions, like if you were to level it out, 165 would not be the the most shallow division. <laughs> like, come on, dude, it's not. They're fucking less 205ers and heavyweights than there would be in 165. Like, come on. Secondly, WMEIMG, the UFC, needs title fights to headline shows. Why not have more real titles? Guys, this is a no-brainer. I mean, <laughs> am I an idiot here? Am I fucking yelling into a, a void? Uh, am I the only one seeing this? No. This is a, this is not just about health and safety. It's about business, too. Anyway, I wanted to read... Oh, fuck. I clicked on the wrong thing. I wanted to, um, to read one of the replies to one of his tweets because it was so fucking incredible. <laughs> some people like to just come in the forum and answer questions and this gentleman rod torres garcon said so this is i'm going to read phil's question first because this is directly answering it says what's next for kevin lee he has a tough loss and miss weight but 170 really doesn't seem like a good fit for him thoughts do a connor and do 170 fuck it he is top five i period drunk love that he came to my continent and shit but 170 and top five gatekeeper <laughs> what so drunk dude even responded to the thing i'm drunk (laughs) i don't know if that was to double down on the fact that he was so drunk or to clarify when he said i period drunk he meant i'm drunk maybe both (laughs) what uh someone else said stay at 155 and entertain us He, he is up and down but always fun to watch yeah that's a good one but also 165 uh, Dean Raubs at Dean Dog Three says, "Are we gonna see fights next week?" That's the question. Dean, stop it, bro. I so I actually paused the forum, uh, and I saw a headline come up that said the main event fell through. So at this point, I don't even know if I'm gonna preview the card because, like, what 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 the fuck? Like, what am I? I'm not even previewing anything. There's no card. next question is from Eamon at Team Flemo 2 he said I tried the experiment the prelims were nothing new I'm used to the American fight cards but I didn't like the atmosphere for the main card hashtag no fans no fights or am I a filthy casual well I'm a filthy casual so that's why I think it matters <laughs> yes absolutely um no fuck that I was loving the empty crowd I was loving it I love the empty crowd Again, 
circumstances notwithstanding. Like, I don't want that to be a thing, but the empty crowd, every now and then, I'm here for it, dude. They should fuck it. They should fucking make, uh, like, the best of a situation. They should, they should uh, take lemons and make lemonade. If you're If you can't have arenas with crowds, put a fucking octagon on the roof. Put it on the roof of a fucking tall building. Can you imagine the spectacle? Oh my god. Bro. That's it. Game game over. I just changed the game. Next question is from FinFan12 at FinFan122. Not sure why there's an extra two in the at and not in the name. Uh, it says, what now for Johnny Walker and Maya? A lot of people had Walker beating John Jones. I believe he's uh, always been overstated. Um... Yeah, or maybe it's supposed to be overrated. I'm not sure. Um, dude, I didn't have him beating John Jones. Is is in like no, he's the guy. But I, I before he kind of got let's call it derailed. Like by Corey Anderson, I, I wanted to see it. I'm like, yeah, fuck it. I mean, at this point, why not? Um, also saw a tweet. Someone said after seeing that um, light heavyweight fight, John Jones is going to stay at 205 for another 10 years. <laughs> dude, they're so right. Um, but yeah, I uh, I don't think he's overrated. I just think. Hold on, I gotta make sure because I saw a question about fucking. Yep, no, yeah, someone's gonna ask the question, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer it then. But uh, I've have a plan for Johnny Walker. Not that they're gonna follow it, but um, I, I definitely want, don't want Johnny Walker gone from the UFC. Love that guy. Next question is from Clay Wakeman at Clay Wakeman. He says, "What the fuck does Du Bronx mean?" And uh, positive MMA vibes. Oh, his I said earlier it was positive MMA. It's, he's not, I think, changed it to violence glutton. That's pretty good. Doesn't necessarily go with positive MMA vibes, but that's pretty fucking good. Um, it says this literally means of the Bronx in Portuguese. Yeah, like, we found that out. Like, we Googled it. But, dude, honestly, no. Not not a fan. Do Bronx? No. Terrible nickname. Terrible nickname. And there's someone that's like, oh, if you could just Google, like, dude, it's terrible. That wasn't in the forum, actually. That was in another thread that him and I were talking about it. Uh, this question is from Long John 859 at Long John 859. He says, uh, do you think the lack of a crowd helped, hindered, or had no effect on the fighters? No pressure from the fans, but at the same time, no fuel from them cheering. Also, do you think the referee was better without fan influence? Uh, this is a great question, and I've basically already touched on it, kind of, but... Um, not answered point blank like this. Uh, I would say if I had to pick one, it might have helped, but there was a slight hindrance, as you said. Like you could tell, um, there definitely wasn't um, that energy from the fans, and maybe it's just like like certainly certain big fights when there is like the crowd is roaring, the energy is palpable. Like you can feel it coming off, you can feel it affecting the fighters. Sometimes they they turn to the crowd and like try and hype them up like raise their arms like that like that's all part of it so you're you are losing that but i don't know how much it, it affected like there, there were times when it felt a little lackluster but there are some lackluster fights with fans in attendance so it's hard to tell like um for sure uh i think the refing was i'm not for sure but in my opinion i think the refing is better at least there was no in my opinion like really bad calls and it seems like at least one event or it's the at least one per event there's a bad call like a really bad call that i'm always talking about it but this one had absolutely none because they were able to think more clearly. Um, it also could have just been the, the fighters were 
I don't know, not fouling. Um, like, I don't know what else to say. Uh, but great question. This next question is from Deja at Deja Crew 423 For sure, stop making bets with whoever that fucking guy is that makes you change your profile picture because I <laughs> look at these avies, like these weird-ass fucking avies. Um, it says, do you think Kevin Lee legitimately didn't think he tapped? Like, was it an automatic reaction? Uh, like his body looked slumped to the to slump right as he did it, as if he was passing out, or was he hoping the ref didn't see and was trying to continue fighting despite it? I knew, I honestly, and I think I talked about this before, actually. I'm convinced he went out. Like, Kevin Lee's not a dirty fighter or a bitch, as Jorge Masvidal's manager tweeted out on Jorge's account. He's not a bitch. Like, he can take a loss. That's one of the things I love about Kevin Lee, is he owns up to his mistakes and he can take a loss. Um, that definitely was not trying to fucking, oh, let's, maybe he didn't notice. Bro, obviously you tapped and you felt the rope pull, pull, pull him off you. What happened was he went out and just kind of came to and didn't realize and instincts took in and he was trying to wrestle out of it and take the back. Like that's, I, I don't see any other answer to this. Like there, there's no way he was trying to fucking pull a chill stone and like I pretend like I didn't tap, which by the way was just a kind of a promotional thing that wasn't actually him trying to whatever, but he wasn't, doing that it wasn't like didn't we see this happen a few weeks ago i can't remember what the situation was where someone like kept going even though they had tapped um or or the ref stopped and they didn't aware like they got knocked out like this is a situation where he went out um and then he came to and started fighting again that's that's what happened it's a question from Cerrone Noseblow at Luke underscore right 07, right with a W, obviously. It says, if the coronavirus was only an outbreak within the UFC, who would have been the first infection and how did they get it? Who didn't give a shit and tries to get it and who is immune? Only one fighter for each. <laughs> oh, man. Um... I have to say... Um, uh, if it was only an outbreak within the UFC, uh, John Jones would have been the first to get it, and they got it by partying too much. And um, who wouldn't give a shit and try to get it um, would be Holly Holm, because I'm convinced her and John Jones either used to or still do bang. I'm 100% convinced. You can't you can't convince me otherwise. Even if they both pass a polygraph and say they don't do it, I'm not fucking convinced, dude. Uh, and who is who is immune? Um, fucking a. Roxy, that's it. That's it. It's always Roxy, <laughs> obviously. Um, this question is DJ Grayskull back in Oz at uh, DJ underscore Grayskull. This is the one I was talking about earlier. It says, should the UFC manage Johnny Walker the way Bellator manages MVP? Feed him cans and reap the highlight real KOs. Bro, yes. Like, absolutely. And not literal cans. Like, some, sometimes MVP fight, uh, fights people who really have no business being in Bellator. But they definitely should be giving him comfortable matchmaking. Like, you have something with Johnny Walker. He's a fucking fantastic personality. He does wild shit like fucking do the worm which 
ends up fucking dislocating his shoulder, which was stupid. But he does amazing celebrations. He knocked Dustin Leda the fuck out. And right before the fight started, he looked like he was, like, chilling. I mean, this guy is a phenomenon. And he fucking sometimes, like, strips on the way to the cage. You need that in the UFC, dude. You know what, you know what I want to see, by the way, now that I'm just thinking about it? Make Michelle Pajera's, Michelle Pajera's goofy ass stop cutting weight to 170 because he's too motherfucking big. He probably walk. I mean, I'm definitely sure he walks around above 200 pounds. Make him fight Johnny Walker. Bro, that's the fight, dude. That's the fight to make. Michelle Pajera versus Johnny Walker. Brazilian on Brazilian violence. Wacky, spinny, flippy shit. My hands are tied now. That's the event. That's the fight. That's the, that's that can main event fucking UFC Belém in five months. Uh, sex question is from. You're not real Mexican. You're California guy at righteous MMAV. Uh, oh, that's that Khabib quote. I was like, what are you talking about? You're not a real Mexican. Says, I'll hit you with something to talk about. If the UFC is adamant about putting on the fights, why don't they just rent a cruise ship, take it out to international waters, and put on put their fights on however they want? They can even fly in fighters from around the world with their own jet. <laughs> Dude. Uh, this is almost exactly what I said about making the best out of a worse situation and fucking putting on a roof. Dude, absolutely do shit like this if you're going to fucking jeopardize people's fucking health anyway uh and the commission are gonna love it yeah do do fucking international waters oh just kidding that's so dangerous what the fuck is wrong with you <laughs> oh man flying around the world from the, with their own jet bro you know what since fucking dana white is so good with trump why does he fucking send him like give him like a fucking aircraft carrier and just be like hey let's put on some fights for the troops and uh and obviously the fans, because we're going to broadcast it, and just take the fucking boat out as far as we can and put the fighters there. Um, they can train below deck, you know what I mean? They can train below deck, warm up, and then come up to the service to fight. That's it. Last question from Joe Bloggs at JoeBloggs74. It says, favorite takeaway meal? Uh, I'm super American, and it's like my go-to is just like Chipotle. Or Taco Bell. Um, but I also do love, like, you, you always hear from, like, people in the UK. They're like, oh, I love a good chip curry or, or whatever fucking Indian. Like, there's not good Indian food that's, like, fast here. Like, uh, I feel like a lot of people are, are, like, waiting to say, like, oh, I love a good, yeah. I love a good chip buddy, me. No, um, fucking, they're always, like, saying, like, oh, yeah, let's get some 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 takeaway curry. Like, that doesn't really exist here. Like, not for, like, I guess if you're in New York, there's plenty of little, like, spots like that. But nowhere fucking else. Um, like, we have an Indian place here, but it's like a buffet. Like, you go and you and you, you have the meal there. Um, other than that, I hate Chinese. I do. I really do. Like, some, some of it's good. I like sushi. Like, vegetarian, uh, vegan sushi is uh, really bomb and it's like three dollars a roll <laughs> fucking a i'm trying to think of like something better i'd say well when i before i was vegan i used to love fucking pizza i actually just made a vegan pizza i had that for lunch
but uh, no uh, restaurant has successfully mastered vegan pizza. That's not true. Crust and crumble in Asbury Park. If you're in that part of the world, fucking like Genghis, you're up in Asbury, um, the crust and crumble is the shit. But it's not takeaway. See, this is the problem. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess that, uh, that brings us to the forum. What a, what a great note to end on, right? Food. Um, I, I might end the show here, but I'm probably going to give some closing thoughts. I lied, actually. There's one last, uh, voice question that was submitted, and it's a perfect note to end the show on, uh, because this has been a pretty sad episode, to be honest. Um, I'm not going to, normally, once I'm done with the forum, I will uh, preview the next week's card, but uh, I'm I'm looking here, and it's looking like, uh, from all all what I can tell, it's been canceled. Um, and uh, even if if it does go through, it looks like a lot of the matchups are going to be short notice, if anything. So even if I pick a winner, it's not going to be maybe who I would end up picking, and it, it won't fucking matter. So you know what? Fuck it. We're not going to talk about UFC London, unfortunately, and uh, that makes me sad. But uh, I do want to play this. This is a this is going to be a great note to end the show on, and uh, I want to give a big shout out to uh, the person who sent it as my 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 buddy mixed a man. Um, this guy makes Twitter uh, a great place. Uh, sometimes it's a shitty place, but he makes it a good place. And uh, him and the other members of the Turbo Team really uh, make it worth sticking around when I, I, I want to leave otherwise. You know, and I, and obviously that goes for everyone in this show as well. Because if I didn't do the show, I probably would leave Twitter. Because uh, so sometimes it fucking really does not bring joy, but uh, doing the show does, and uh, the two go hand in hand. So, um, w- without further ado, buddy, take it away. Juice, it's the homie mixed the man. Hey, wanted to call in and thank you for all the hard work you do with this podcast, buddy. Uh, I can't imagine how much work it takes, and you're doing it on a Sunday, and Lord knows I ain't doing shit on Sundays, so I look forward to it every week. I know you've got tons of listeners and engaged followers that are looking forward to it, so thank you for doing it, buddy. It really makes the world of a difference, and it makes uh, it really elevates being a fight fan. It makes it more fun, and for all you assholes that listen to this podcast, I'm calling you out, too. I love interacting with each and every one of you guys. You guys are making killing the time right now awesome. I, I can't wait to see your guys' shitty takes on the feed and then follow up with my own shitty irrational takes as well. Uh, I, I love talking shit with each and every one of you guys. So uh, thank you all for being awesome. And I hope everybody listening is happy, healthy, and uh, staying safe. Wishing you all the best. Peace. Thanks, buddy. I almost want to end the show right here because anything I say now afterward won't reach that level of awesomeness and positivity so uh thank you so much uh mixta for saying that it really it really means a lot to me um your uh your uh call-ins on the on the show have been uh sensational i, I mean the first one you ever did uh I, I can remember it was uh it was when anthony hernandez was was really knee-deep in in the trenches of his his battle with with uh the big c and uh uh, I, I'm paraphrasing, but it was something like, you know what, what this show is about? It's about fighters, and I'm going to call someone, call a fighter out, and that is Anthony Hernandez. And he went on to to say that we should be cheering him on in his battle. It was really fucking inspirational shit. And uh, you know, every single uh, message after that has been absolute fire. With uh, you know, 
how big of a brick is MMA Twitter going to shit when Corey Anderson beats Johnny Walker and he fucking called it like five days early. Uh, Mix is on fire. So uh, I, th- I thank you for uh, for being a much needed source of positivity. Um, you may not remember this actually, but uh, Mick and I connected on uh, on Twitter from both being cancer survivors, and uh, I had already made up the decision to that I was going to tell you guys on the podcast. This is going back to I think episode eighteen or nineteen. It was uh, it was the one right after UFC Newark. You know, if you can look at those dates. Um, but uh, I I already kind of made the decision. But before I recorded, he was like you know, you should tell people you should be more open. It'll help. And I, I was like, yeah, I already am. Like you're already, we're already in sync with that. So, um, uh, Mick has sent me, uh, many, uh, he's given me many, uh, positive feedback. Also some constructive feedback, which I really fucking appreciate because I don't just want a bunch of yes, man. I don't want people saying like, Oh yeah, keep going, whatever. Like he, he sent me some good constructive notes and, uh, but it, the positive feedback, he said that, you know, uh, he's really, you know, enjoyed the interactive part, which is that, you know, um, when you call in, like 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 Mick does, and and other people, the, the the people that listen, hear like, oh, I didn't know you felt that way, and they connect more. He's, he's saying that like when he talked about being a fan of the Crochet Boss because he's from Minnesota, he connected with other fans that otherwise he would not have connected with. So that's really what this show is about: is about connecting uh, five fans from from really around the world. I mean, predominantly in my part of the world, which is America, obviously, but uh, just. The international uh, aspect of this show has has been my favorite part. You know, getting to hear from like Natraj and and Andreas in Copenhagen and fucking Smokey J and Ollie Ra in Australia. Um, still waiting for some uh, some call <laughs> some Collins from Hong Kong. I've got like one percent of my following is in Hong Kong. Uh, so. Um, yeah, that's that's really good stuff, Mick. I, thank you so much. So um, I guess on that note, the forum is officially closed. Uh, if you want to join the forum, you can, uh, you know, on Fight Nights, I put up a post on Twitter uh, after the main event. It'll be my pinned tweet, and uh, you can follow it that way. You can also uh, record a question on your own and email it to um, fightingwithmyselfpod at gmail.com. Uh, but it's so easy to do it the way you know most people do, which is to go on Anchor, uh, which I also put the link in the uh, forum tweet. But um, go on or the Anchor app if you have it, and uh, search for "fighting with myself" and just hit message, and then record. You can record a uh, up to a minute of a message, and I'll play it on on the air. So, uh, uh, God bless you, Mick. And uh, you know I'm not religious. So I, don't, I mean, literally, God bless you, but fucking God bless you. And uh, that's how we're going to end the show because as as I look on all the news that keeps flooding in, it looks like UFC London is canceled. And if it's not canceled, then it's not what I know it to be at this moment. So it's it's whatever I'm looking at is not happening. So um, I want to thank each and every one of you for listening. It means more than you know. And um, as I said, uh, honest feedback is always welcome. Just don't be a piece of shit. And uh, if you're listening on on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, give your boy a five-star review, huh? And write something fucking nice in there. (laughs) Just kidding. I mean, I'm not kidding, but, you know, whatever. Um, And, uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at FWM underscore pod. 
And uh, you can follow myself on Twitter uh, at Aaron Ish Jackson. And with that note, I am signing out. Good night and good fights.